Hello and welcome to the conversation. I'm Heil Russell. Great Scott, it's me, Dustin Jackson. (laughs) I said my name was Heil, not Scott. You're not even like, (laughs) you've been here for 10 seconds and you haven't paid attention to a single thing. Oh, I've got all my people confused. I thought today was Scott Day. Uh, welcome back, Dustin. Thank you for having me back. I'm here to talk about a video game of some sort. Yeah, generally that's what we do here, unless we talk about like a novel based on a video game. Or uh, <laughs> I guess later this year we're going to have to do uh, an episode about the Super Mario movie. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, it's like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to go into a theater and, and risk the um, Zeta variant or whatever the hell is going around by then. Uh, yeah, the the Idaho crew is already, you know, committed to it. If if we end up dying because we saw the Mario movie, you know, so be it. Well, I'm like seeing uh, Elton John in concert in August. And so, oh, so that'll that'll be the second highlight of your year after <laughs> the Mario movie. So I, I'm like, well, you know, if I'm risking that, I can see the damn Mario movie in theaters. Although it might be more hazardous to my health, my mental well-being. We'll see. Uh, I'm gonna go in with open, uh, an open mind, clear expectations. You know, it is what it is. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. But uh, on this episode of the conversation, you and I will be once again discussing Saber Wolf for the Game Boy Advance. Now, on the season premiere of the conversation, Gibbon, uh, you. And myself, we decreed, decried, we we made we passed judgment that Saber Wolf for the Game Boy Advance, and by extension the mobile edition, which we will not be discussing on this episode, are in fact <laughs> DKU. Uh, they are they are part of the Donkey Kong universe. We we establish a new rule, the Saber Man rule. And if you're not clear on what that is, I recommend going back and listening to that. Uh, so this this will be getting more into the actual game itself. Uh, before we do that, I do have some due diligence to get That's to. That's my favorite part of the episode. This is everybody's favorite part. Nobody skips over this. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, real quick. I, I won't get into everything. You know, I'm going to try to, like, break up due diligence. Like, on this episode, I'll plug this aspect of DK Vine. And then on that episode, I will plug another aspect. So on this episode, I wanted to plug our Twitch channel. Twitch.tv forward slash DK Vine. Or if you're feeling very uh, patriotic to DK Vine, DKVine.com forward slash Twitch. So yeah, uh, our Twitch channel, we stream roughly three times a week and yeah we we don't have the time to stream every day like these big fancy big city twitch streamers but we 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 do our best with the time we have you know because we also have a podcast and the website and social media and everything else related to that so it's not like we're just twitch streamers you know it's an aspect of dk vine one of our myriad of flavors and the uh the twitch channel uh you, you can find me on there two times a week. I stream DK Vine Done Slow, typically on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. GMT. 
And that is where I take a game from the Donkey Kong universe and I play it excruciatingly slow. Just, just miserably slow. I bore everyone with how slow I play. I recently completed Ukulele and I think my overall like time was around 40 hours. So if, if that really like exemplifies how much time it takes to get through these. Um, I just started Donkey Kong Country 2. Diddy's Conquest, the Super Nintendo original. Uh, I started that this last Wednesday, and I've uh, I'm up to Crocodile Cauldron. So stream for about two hours a session, uh, or a sesh, as the kids call them. And it's you know it's fun because I I point out the details. I I celebrate the very very minute aspects of the game. And it's not just, you know, let's see how quick I can get through this level. It's, no, let me point out everything I love about this level and the characters and and the lore. And it's basically the conversation, but with visuals. So uh, you're, that, you're kind of the opposite of a speedrunner. Yeah, no, it, it, that's why it's DK Vine done slow. That's the joke. I, I'm not oh, a Oh, now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I guess I never stopped to think about it before. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sundays. Uh, Sundays is Sea of Thieves Day, and you're sometimes on these. DK Vine's Stream of Thieves, that's also a joke, but, uh, that's 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. GMT, and it's just a, a weekly Sea of Thieves session. Usually it's me, Cameron, Jeff, and a rotating fourth. Sometimes Jeff can't make it with his go-go lifestyle, so, you know, we'll, we'll have different people in there from the community or staff. Um, and we, we just, we just sail around and see if thieves, we go on an adventure and it's a great way to just hang out with us. Cause we also just chat during the, during the session, during the adventure, during the voyage, we just talk about things. And yeah, like, e- even if we can't get into the game, we'll talk about <laughs> things for a little bit. <laughs> sea of thieves has been having some problems as of late. Which, I love you. Sea of thieves. Uh, well, I'm sure boy, Jeff and I will talk about a couple of weeks. Jeff and I will talk about that when we do our season five episode <laughs> of the uh, of the conversation. But yeah, uh, that's that's DK Vine stream of thieves, and then on Tuesdays, Tuesdays at eight p.m. Eastern, five p.m. Pacific. It's one a.m. Uh, Wednesday morning GMT. So kind of pushing it, pushing it late slash early for uh, for those in the UK. But it's the Idaho Crew presents, and Dustin, you are part of the Idaho Crew. Explain what uh your stream is all about okay so on tuesdays the idaho crew has our own little dk vine stream it's just kind of whatever it's just kind of whatever we feel like playing um and sometimes we don't <laughs> like last week we didn't play we just didn't want to <laughs> this week we will <laughs> we just didn't want to yeah yeah you you play game you're a little bit more um freewheeling than my uh regimented streams where you you pretty much are like hey we want to play this game how can we make it relevant to the dku and sometimes that's yeah. that's like a, we're going to create dku characters in this create a character mode <laughs> yeah and uh you know sometimes it's a little it's sometimes it's a bigger game sometimes we like to uh showcase smaller games uh, i think this uh coming tuesday we're going to be playing uh punch out Wii, which oh. uh is a DKU game. It, is. it uh, doesn't get talked about a lot because it's only uh, very slightly a DKU game. But uh, we're we're gonna jump into that. 
Yeah, it came out the year before Donkey Kong Country Returns, and I remember um, just, uh, I guess, living in Los Angeles at the time, and, you know, pretty removed. That was, like, my the most I've ever mm-hmm. been removed from the community. Just, I had other stuff going on in my life, and wasn't really, like, keeping up with DK Vine. Um, DK Vine was, I think, at that point, owned by David. Um, just, you know... It was just kind of like, oh, I'm I'm out in Hollywood, baby, and you were you were living off those uh, green porn city bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the the currency, the GPC. Yeah, uh, so I I just remember the you know kind of being adjacent but not part of it, and just people saying like, oh, I guess this is as good as it gets for Donkey Kong. Now he's a guest character in Punch Out. <laughs> And, of course, that was just the calm before the storm, as these things often go. You know, it's like when when the fandom seems to be giving up hope, that's when, no, things are actually happening behind the scenes. We just weren't privy to them. So, yeah, that'll be... Yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really funny thinking about it, uh, how at the time it felt like, oh, this is the best we're going to get. But they used DK for a lot of those crossovers. Like, they did it for that, and they did it for uh, Skylanders. So it's cool that DK is kind of the one who gets to... Uh, branch out a little bit every time donkey kong enters a fallow period they they have these stop gaps right yeah and that's what skylanders was and of course it it was (laughs) there there weren't supposed to be as many stop gaps because you know (laughs) the the whole thing about you know a donkey kong game entering development and then it it being scrapped and then development starting over again elsewhere you know for more on that listen to past episodes of the conversation but yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, you play Punch-Out, which is kind of like from the, the quietest era of the DKU, where everybody was kind of just jaded and, and everything was falling apart after the controversies of Nuts and Bolts, and it seemed like Rare was like on the edge, you know, and that was right before they entered the Connect era, and it just it, it just felt like nothing was breaking Dark times. Our, nothing was breaking our way until then everything started breaking our way again, so... Yeah, I gotta be honest with you, Heil. I don't think we're even gonna see Donkey Kong on Tuesday. <laughs> it's it's incredibly hard to get to Donkey Kong, but uh, we'll try. Yeah, I, uh, I I usually you know catch as much of the streams as I can, and I like to badger you whenever I don't see anything DKU relevant on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> whenever you play these party games and I don't see Donkey Kong, I'm like, um, excuse me. Uh, which, which channel are you streaming on? on brand, please? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, yeah, DK Vine on Twitch. Subscribe to us. Check us out. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of the conversation, you're probably gonna like uh, our our offerings on Twitch. Anyway, I uh, hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, otherwise, what are we doing? <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about what we're doing this episode. And let me explain to those who have found the conversation recently but aren't longtime DK Viners what the Slush Fund is. Because this episode is titled The Slush Fund Saberwolf. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, yeah, it goes by Ben Fund. Um, keep off the Imperial radar. Um, (laughs) now the slush fund was a series or is a series of threads I created on the DK vine forum after punch out 
well, really, after Donkey Kong Country Returns was announced, and I came back to DK Vine full-time, uh, as did my fellow co-creator Chad, um, and, and the community kind of experienced um, a renaissance. Not the renaissance, but the rena- a renaissance of interest and excitement. It was basically like, hey, a lot of us have sort of... Uh, been led astray away from this uh, childhood passion we had and they, now they've announced a new Donkey Kong Country game and you know what we're going to embrace this as part of our adult lives and yeah that's that's where you know my the tra- trajectory of my life changed where I came back to DK Vine full time and uh and now it's it's what I do I mean it's 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 my identity it, I'm the Donkey Kong journalist and the slush fund was a series of threads from that time period that was designed to kind of help me catch up. There were a lot of games that I didn't play to completion from late 2003 onward. Um, and then that was because I, I remember like Mario Kart Double Dash. I, I it, 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 was, it was a slog and I, I didn't get to play through it um, 100%. And, you know, up until that point, I had beaten every DKU game 100%. And then I would move on to the next game. Like, I was doing it in real time. And um, and then I started writing for, you know, North Texas Television. College got in the way. And it, it was just one thing after another. You know, uh, I, I went Hollywood and... Um, and then uh, I just got tired of all that. And I was like, I just want to be a Donkey Kong kid again. This is what I want to do. <laughs> so uh, the Slush Run was d- designed to help me, motivate me, inspire me to play games like Mario Party 6. And <laughs> what I would do would I, I would go on the forum and I would type my experiences. Um, somewhat daily, sometimes, you know... Um, Every other day, sometimes a couple times a week, but basically like, all right, here's here's what I'm finding out about Mario Party 6. Here's what I'm finding out about Mario versus Donkey Kong. Uh, that was one of my darker ones where <laughs> that game just like something about the presentation of that game and the way Donkey Kong was portrayed like actively depressed me. I think I was going through a major depressive episode at that time. That was probably when I was actually literally suicidal. So I probably projected a bit on that game. But um, anyway, you you took one look at it and you said, this isn't the Donkey Kong I know and love. You would never <laughs> steal toys. <laughs> I my my views have softened on that as as they have on my, many things. Um, I but that was where like I first played Jungle Beat and I really gave it a chance and I was like, oh my god, I'm actually enjoying this, and oh my god, there's a character called Cobcock and and it it, <laughs> it, was, it was like it was a fun series full of discovery and whimsy and excitement, and then I got to Donkey Konga two. Ooh. Here we go. And and maybe this aspect of the slush fund will be more familiar to our regular listeners because I've I mean it's become a running joke, right? My inability to finish Donkey Konga 2. Donkey Konga 2 absolutely broke the slush fund because the original Donkey Konga was relatively easy. I I I got through that in maybe a week or two. No problem. Mm-hmm. Donkey Konga 2 um changed it up and just so that the um the two player mode um you could still play it 
single player with with a uh, you know CPU uh, buddy, but it would punish you. Basically, you would have to drum uh, on the bongos to absolute perfection to clear these. Yikes! Yeah, or you could find a partner, and you know, believe it or not, the the pool of people. <laughs> who are Donkey Konga 2 masters, it's pretty small, especially <laughs> IRL, right? Like, it, it was just, I tried. I tried enlisting people. Um, Chad, for example, I, I, I visited his place, and I brought the bongos, and he he tried, <laughs> we did, like, one song, and he was like, I'm done. And I was like, no more of this. I was like, what do you mean you're done? Um, <laughs> we still have the whole game to do. And, like, over the years, various people have volunteered. Mamechi, uh, Craig Duncan, head of Rare. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, it's kind of hard when, you know, you, you live on one side of a continent and everybody else lives on another continent or on the other side. So, anyway, I never did it. And it, time marched on. Uh, and I never even got to March of the Minis. And it just... Uh, never happened for me and it defeated me and it deflated me and i couldn't move on to banjo kazooie granny's revenge missions i just couldn't it's it's because donkey konga 2 wasn't finished and the whole vibe of the slush fund was doing things in chronological order and and so uh, yeah it just kind of went away and i was always in the back of my head was like i'm going i'm going to get back to you donkey konga 2 but honestly doesn't my do- these days my donkey konga 2 skills are so rusty and i'm sure a lot of muscle memory will kick in i can get back into fighting shape in about a week or two but you know for for a while there i was like i was going to stream it right that was going to be my original uh-huh. twitch stream was the slush fund and um but I was like, am I going to do this mystery science theater style with like a silhouette of me drumming? And like, <laughs> like, what, what is my game plan here? And, you know, and then 2016 happened and the world fell apart. Our site was attacked by Putin. And, uh, <laughs> that, that, that actually, has a, has a really weird history. It does. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not speaking any lies here. This all happened. Uh, so. It just, you know, and then, um, you know, in 2017, I was the the only person running DK Vine then. Like, I was the guy in charge. So all of a sudden, all of the frivolous things I could do elsewhere because my duties were split, I suddenly had 100% of the duties and I, I just didn't have time to waste on the slush fund when I had to keep DK Vine um, moving. And, and 2017... You heard it here first, everyone. Heil had 100% of the duties. <laughs> no, but I mean, 2017 was a really rough year for me and DK by mm-hmm. trying to keep it afloat um, by myself. I mean, as, I'm as, glad you did. as, as the uh, sole editor-in-chief at that point. And, um, of course, I had help, you know, Cameron, uh, Matt, Jeff, um, and then eventually, you know, we enlisted the Idaho crew and Gibbon and, but, you know, anyway, think we're in a much better place. That was what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I'm feeling good about DK Vine. I'm having fun with it. And, um, the canonization in the DKU library of Saberwolf GBA 
affording me an opportunity because lo and behold, Dustin, Saberwolf came out in 2004, about a year before Donkey Konga 2 was released in the West. Wow. Saberwolf GBA came out between Mario versus Donkey Kong and um, Mario Golf Advance Tour. So, obviously, you know, those those are just the perfect bookends for this game. But <laughs> because of that, because we all of a sudden had a newly recognized DKU game that came out uh, before Donkey Konga 2 would have been a problem for me in real time in 2004, I was like, now is the time to revive the slush fund uh, albeit maybe for this one game and the mobile game. Uh, also, because chronologically, we're not sure where Saberwolf takes place. We're going to get into a little bit of that. But um, it, it's not like I am cheating on Donkey Konga 2 with this. It, it's, <laughs> um, it's, it's like remembering a past lover you never had. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, even if you were cheating on Donkey Konga 2, Donkey Konga 2 is a selfish lover. Really Maybe is. Maybe you should think about it. And it's like, Maybe you should think about its actions. I can't climax until you make this a threesome. And I'm like, I can't find a willing <laughs> partner for that. <laughs> <laughs> You're Donkey Konga too. Not everyone's up for that. Right. So look in the mirror. <laughs> so the slush fund is basically me experiencing a DKU game for the first time, which, uh, by the way, is something I, I don't think I could ever really stream because it's a very personal experience for me having um, a DKU game unfold before me. I, I Because when I'm streaming, I'm also kind of having to be entertaining, right? Part of my mm-hmm. brain power has to, has to go towards presentation, showmanship, and I can't devote 100% of my brain power to the world I'm experiencing. And it, it is a problem I've experienced with Sea of Thieves because we do these um, Sea of Thieves adventures, this new content live on stream. And I feel like I can't pay attention all the way. Like, like I'm only paying attention maybe 60%. And so it's not registering. It's not hitting as hard as it normally would. Mm-hmm. And Sea of Thieves, you know, I play with friends, so even if I wasn't streaming, I would probably have that problem because I'm I'm chatting. Um, so Saber Wolf, you know, I, I've been able to just kick back, kind of go inside my own skull and enjoy it. And, and so, and then I go to the forum, and I've been uh, this week. I started the actual slush fund. Um, I, I had to start it a little bit later than I normally would because I couldn't. Started before we made it DKU, right? But right um, now it's DKU. I started that. I was like, okay, it's DKU. The second full-length episode of the season will be the Slush Fund episode, where I take some of my musings and findings with Saber Wolf and express them on the podcast as I do on the forum. And uh, Dustin, you've been replaying Saber Wolf. Um, you you did it in the run-up to the season premiere. And yeah, uh, so I was like, hey, Dustin, yeah, you, you could be on this episode with me to, to talk about Saber Wolf. Now, let, let me just be clear. This is not a spotlight episode. You know, our spotlight episodes are designed to be the, the ultimate kind of uh, celebration in audio form of a specific game. Saber Wolf will get that one day. But right now, this is kind of a work in progress 
uh, Heil uh, finds things he loves about Saber Wolf, and, and um, it, not really crystallizing yet. It, it's kind of um, still forming the, the nebulous kind of uh, primordial ooze that is my impressions of a DKU game. So that, that that's what the slush... Uh, the slush one is a pun, too, if you didn't realize that. Um, it, <laughs> it's a really belabored, stupid pun. Um, so my, my forum name is Slush, based on my old moniker, Sir Slush 2, uh, which was my AOL address that I wrote a describes with, and then I, I used that um, on DK Vine back in the day. Because you're not supposed... In the 90s, you weren't supposed to reveal your identity on the internet. Nobody did. Um, because... Um, you were taught in these very, like, early, uh, computer classes that, uh, if you reveal your real name on the internet, your identity will be stolen and your life will be ruined. Uh, this is before social... You will die. Yeah, this was before social media, right? This is before... Yeah. It, it, like, our whole lives went online. So it's like, you need to have, uh, a pseudonym for yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, I was like, alright, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be, you know kidnapped because i put my real name online so i'll i like this snowman character in banjo kazooie that's that'll be me <laughs> i'll be him yeah and of course eventually i eventually i started going by my real name once i realized that nobody was going to um you know make me a sex slave and then um <laughs> uh, but but on the forum i still go by slush um and that's because i i Briefly considered changing it to Heil, and then I was like, this looks wrong. Uh, I'll be slush on the DK Vine. <laughs> this isn't Vine. the way things are supposed to be. We all have our, our pseudonyms on the DK Vine forum. Um, Cameron is still clutch. I think Jeff changed it from Joe Mingo to Jeff, but, you know. I remember that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Heil, uh, <laughs> pretty soon will be the perfect time to do a spotlight episode because in two years... Saberwolf GBA will be 20 years old. Believe me, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this episode... I hate that. I, I I hate so much, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god, like, I'm looking in the mirror lately and I'm like, do I do I have wrinkles? No, I don't have wrinkles. I'm just really tired today. Uh, <laughs> so... We're we're only going to be getting into probably like we're not we're not going to be hitting it point by point like world two. What do you think, Dustin? That's not what this episode is going to be. In fact, we're probably only going to be touching upon things that are relevant in the first seven worlds or so. Uh, that being said, if you haven't played Saber Wolf and you're hankering to try it based on us make you know de- declaring it DKU, which a couple of you have said, yeah, I I want to try it um, now. Then, uh, if you don't want spoilers, don't listen to this. Because part of the fun for me is discovering all of this. We're going to be talking about DKU connections here. And and all sorts of fun stuff that it might might ruin it for you if you don't see it for yourself. Because I want that same sense of giddy excitement for you that I felt. Like, oh my god! Oh my god! That that could tie into (laughs) this! Or, Or that's a reference to that! So yeah, uh, y- you know, Heil, I'm really happy that you've avoided spoilers for this long, considering everybody's talking about this game online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, 
I have to say, 18 years without being spoiled about Saber Wolf GBA was a lot easier than remaining unspoiled for Spider-Man No Way Home, which, in <laughs> fact, that has been completely spoiled for me and was within the first week. Also, the James Bond movie No Time to Die spoiled for me after the second day. Oh, I'm sorry, Hyle. That yeah, sucks. That, that ending would have really uh, blown me away. Yeah. If, in, uh, in this in this day and age of uh, social media, you just can't uh, you, you just can't not be spoiled by things. There's always going to be someone on there who's like, "Oh, this happened." It wasn't even social media; uh, it was like a news headline, and it was just oh, like, "Are you that's kidding?" Irresponsible. Yeah i I wrote a letter to my congressperson. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say you wrote the headline. <laughs> <laughs> I decided to spoil it for everybody. Sorry. So this episode will be getting into some of the slush fund, but the slush fund will continue because I haven't beaten it yet. I haven't beaten Saber Wolf GBA yet. I've gotten through the seventh world. So to continue following the slush fund, colon, Saber Wolf, parentheses, GBA, be sure to check out the DK Vine forum. I'll be giving my thoughts as the days and weeks unfold. I can't wait. We do have a call take. Um, somebody, somebody really wanted to talk about Saber Wolf. You know how it goes. That's surprising. <laughs> no, I mean it. It is. It really is because <laughs> you, you expect these episodes where we're we're not talking about Donkey Kong. We're not talking about Banjo. We're talking about a a property that was sort of spun out of Banjo. And then was on a, uh, a it was a Game Boy Advance game that maybe ten people bought. Um, <laughs> you don't expect that to you know bring in the people, but apparently there was a groundswell of love for Saberwolf in that we got one call. So let's take that and uh, hear what they have to say, dissect it, and then we'll we'll get into the nitty gritty of the slush fund. Hey guys, Carson here again. Called in last week for the um, special uh, DK Vine tribunal session on Saber Wolf. I wanted to call in again. Just to gush about the game a little bit more, I suppose. thought it was interesting that you guys compared the way Rare reinvented Saber Man for Saber Wolf GBA to the way they reinvented Donkey Kong with Donkey Kong Country. I think there's a lot of merit to that because from from bits and pieces I've seen of the um, ZX Spectrum Saberman games, it seems like they took little bits and pieces here and there of all of them and kind of composited them together to make um, Saberwolf. Seems like they took the gameplay of Underworld as like the biggest baseline since he kind of has a similar floaty jump. I kind of wonder if the idea of using creatures to help you through the levels was inspired by the way that uh, animals would uh, pop the fuck out of nowhere in the original Saber Wolf because of the Spectrum's limitations. It's interesting how they kind of took all those little bits and pieces and composited them together the same way that they looked at stuff in Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. to make the country games, like how they took the barrels, vine swinging, all sorts of stuff like that. Other than that... Um, I guess I wanted to call because uh, the news that Playtonic is doing more games internally than just one as one big team is really exciting to me because we haven't really had that sort of 
I guess, multiple team, multiple project dynamic uh, that we've had, that we used to have in the rare days, particularly in the N64 era. So I'm really excited to see what their projects uh, would bring. And the way this is related to Saberwolf is that I kind of, well, Ukulele in the Impossible Air definitely was taking some inspiration from Saberwolf, particularly the idea of having, like, the levels that you find in the overworld and have it relate back to the side-scrolling bits. But I would love to see Platonic, like, take a crack at the uh, side-scrolling gameplay of Saberwolf, particularly the idea of having a 2D platformer where you can place uh, helpful animals in the stage, like the bear that you can jump on and stuff. I think it would be cool to see them take another crack at that, even though I really do love Impossible Air and it's like DKC kind of levels. But um, other than that, yeah, that'll be all, guys. Uh, take care. Well, thank you for the call, Carson. And yeah, Impossible Lair definitely comes to mind with Saberwolf. And it it makes sense there's DNA um, from Rare's handheld games into Playtonic because, you know, there there is some staff shared between the two. But, um, you know, you spoke about the earlier Saberman games, including the original Saberwolf. I, once I'm done with the GBA game and the mobile game, which I will have to play, um, thankfully, you know, you, you can find ROMs of it. it. It's not like it's a lost game like Dr. Mario World is now. Ugh. Uh, also, be sure to download those things on the Wii U and 3DS eShops if uh, those, those digital only games, all from the Mario vs. Donkey Kong series. Uh, cause, cause who knows when they'll resurface if you don't get them now. Oh, man. Yeah. Re- remember when you were talking about how DK Vine had never had to deal with something like that before, having a whole game just ripped away? Well, yeah. now we're having multiple ones just ripped away. Yeah, thankfully it's a little bit easier, uh, it's a little, little bit less of a of a panic when it comes to this than it is something like uh, Doctor Mario World going away, since there's no right. no way to preserve that. Like like I said, there's there's ROMs of all the uh, Infusio rare ports, and um, the, all the the 3DS uh, stuff. You know, it, it. I'm sure people are preserving those. Uh, I I've checked online, but I'm sure you can find ROMs. But anyway, um, see, Nintendo, we just want to buy your games. We don't want to pirate them, but if, if yeah, you... Yeah, we're happy to. You yeah. just make it hard. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, w- once I'm done with that, I am actually kind of eager to go into Rare Replay and really check out those earlier Saberman games, uh, part of Rare Replay. Because mm. uh, I remember trying them and being like, oh, I, ca- I can't do this. <laughs> but Yeah, maybe, maybe don't be too eager. <laughs> yeah, no, but... <laughs> Now that I've had a little bit of, uh, like, the more refined experience with Saberwolf GBA, may- maybe more of it will make sense to me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Those games, uh, very, uh, they're not great, but they're very interesting. I played all of them uh, a while back, and... They're varying degrees of not very good nowadays, yeah. <laughs> but 
But still, you know, I, I had fun playing them just because it's so interesting seeing where Saberman kind of got his start. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, it would be interesting to see Platonic kind of um, make something more in the mold of Saberwolf GBA. Uh, but But to get into that, I think we need to really explain to the audience... What what exactly Saberwolf GBA's whole deal is, um, the structure of it? Because if you haven't played it, it's kind of hard to describe. Because you see screenshots of it, and it, and it looks like it might be a, a top down game like Grunny's Revenge or Conquer's Pocket Tales, and then you see other screenshots, and it looks like it's a two D side scroller. Both aren't really accurate pictures. Um, but it's not quite like Impossible Layer, where it's like you ha- you have the top down overworld, and then you have traditional two like, D levels, um, like uh, in the vein of Donkey Kong. This is more like um, the the two D sections are sort of structured like puzzles. In, in, yeah, they're, it's a puzzle platformer. Yeah, you you you've got to figure out the way to get to. The Saber Wolf, Sa- Saber Wolf, the the character um, who is guarding treasure at the end of the level. You've got to find a way to get to the wolf, and there's all these bad creatures, quote unquote, and hazards in the way, and you've got to use your quote unquote good creatures to um, to get by, and um, you know, it's like which combination works best, and then you know you've got the times you want to be like. How fast can you clear this stage? And then there's a whole mode for that, which I haven't touched yet. But um, anyway, so it, it it's kind of like, it's not just hopping and bopping. There's actually very little of that. It's more uh, taking sort of, I guess, what would have been the isometric gameplay uh, and then distilling it into a, a more 2D style. It's very clever. Um, yeah. And and I think like once you get past those initial stages where it just kind of explains like what you do and like you might have to use one creature like I'm gonna bounce on Blub of the Bear's stomach, um, to <laughs> and then you beat the stage and That's then you beat you the need. stage right. But it gets very very complex, vastly more complex. And oh yeah, those those later stages. Oh boy, those I, I didn't remember it being that hard. Those uh, so I, I've only I'm only through World Seven. Uh, but those town stages. Oh my god, the the ones those that, are definitely the hardest ones. Yeah, the ones that, that take place in kind of like the the village archetype, and you're like going, you're you're like jumping across uh, rooftops and. It's you're like oh my god, and you feel you're just being pummeled every which way. You got the tank guys shooting bullets. You got lava. You got all sorts of stuff. Yeah, you've got the little piggies that that fall down on you. <laughs> you got the little things. My favorite. You got the little things that shit on you. Um, <laughs> like they 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 actually like squeeze liquid out of their anus. Like uh, that's a thing. That is a thing in the game, and. You never get frustrated though. Like I, that, that's what I love about this game. Uh, the hallmark of a good game to me is it can be as hard as it wants, so long as it never defeats you. Donkey Konga Two defeated me. What this game does is, oh, I screwed that up. Oh, I can't wait to try again. And I'm getting be- a little bit better each time. I'm making a little bit more progress each time. Okay, I got to this. I got to the wolf. Okay, so the treasure I got was silver can do better next time come back in oh i got i got there in enough time to get the gold terrific 
you know? Yeah, uh, I, I like that a lot. I really like how um, it, it is something I noticed later on is uh, one, once you do it like 10 times in a row where you just screw up here and there, eventually you'll just like, no, you'll just have it down. You'll be able to just speed through all the way. You're like, oh, this guy's here. This guy's there. Uh, yeah. Piece of cake. It, it It's very rhythmic in a way. It's relying on, again, your muscle memory, but also just like figuring out which creatures work best for you there. Um, you know, if you, if you got like uh body armor, you can just like blow through an enemy and take a hit. Or if you got the Phoenix creature, you can use that as a temporary shield, you know, it, it's fun to me. And there's like certain creatures who will speak to you more in your gameplay style. And I, in the, in the later mode, the challenge mode or whatever, it limits which creatures you can use. But in the, in the main adventure, you can use any of them so long as you have enough, you know, um, cause, cause in each level, you can usually find one creature to add to your menagerie, um, your, your, your collection of animals, right? And then that will like make later levels easier on you if you have the full inventory of creatures to, to kind of help guide you. So Yeah, memorable, lovable creatures like uh, Bigfoot and Witch. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Move over, Pokemon. <laughs> right. It's interesting to me, like the dichotomy between this and what we know Saberman Stampede was going to be, because Saberman Stampede used real animals like elephants and rhinos. And, um... Yeah, these are more like magical creatures. They're, they're all magical, fictional creatures. Uh, more akin... You're not gonna see a blubba in real life? Yeah, more more akin to Jinjos or, you know, um, Globos or any of the O's that you would see in a Banjo <laughs> game. The, the, these are all fictional creatures that, that maybe have some basis in either reality or mythology or legend but you know with their own spin on it like the bear is a bear but it's blubba the bear uh a purple bear with a big bouncy stomach and <laughs> you you've got you know you you've got like i said the aforementioned phoenix taken from mythology but you've also got fucking bigfoot it's just just a giant hairy foot not not a sasquatch <laughs> a bigfoot a bigfoot that's hopping up and down it's weird it's weird as shit, but I love it. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but it feels distinctly rare. It's yeah. interesting to me that at the time, Rare was kind of making a couple similar games to this, kind of a, I don't want to call it their take on the Pokemon formula, but it is kind of similar. You're collecting creatures because mm -hmm. this was also coming out in the early days of uh, Cameo development. Yeah, which uh, I I think by the time Saberwolf came out, they had already changed direction. But Cameo was also very much uh, billed at first as a creature collecting game. So it yeah, it's interesting that uh, those two teams were kind of uh, kind of fiddling with the same ideas. And then of course Viva Pinata came out, which is oh right, Viva Pinata, to totally different. You know, you're not really utilizing creatures for your adventure. You're you're more. It's just more about having a garden full of them but um yeah that rare is really like on the like how can we make our own pokemon uh in a way um and you know they never really got there because what can be pokemon unless you're Dig yeah. digimon or you know but you know like viva pinata came the closest but i i think saber wolf does a good job of marrying that kind of like 
collecting creatures and using them in in gameplay sort of thing um but in a very different way than pokemon does um yeah yeah so i have to say like just loading up the game here let let me turn on the game really quick should i see if i can pick this up on the mic oh wow live so you you start it up and you got the little thq saberman picks it up it's priceless and he runs off with the thq logo (laughs) Then he's running back with the rare logo, and Saber Wolf is chasing him, and you're in it's a jungle. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, and like you hear all the animals in the jungle, and it goes up into the sky, and there's a parrot, and, and it's just like, oh my god, this is a rare game. This is like akin to Donkey Kong Country. This this whole like we're throwing you into this adventure archetype. Um, this this tropical jungle, these exotic locales, like this is the kind of stuff I love. And so, just starting it up, you're you're like at home, right? It doesn't <clears throat> matter if you've never played Saber Wolf. It doesn't matter if you've you've you know never even thought about it in the context of the DKU or connections to Banjo, therefore connections to Donkey Kong. It really is just like. If you were to pick up this game and not even know it was a rare game, you would be like, oh, wow. Like, I like this. I like the way this old man's mustache wiggles around. <laughs> yeah, and it, even Saber Wolf, like, um, you know, rare... When, when they do human characters in the context of a more cartoony game, which which are typically DKU games, you know, Grab by the Ghoulies, I think, had a nice art style that, like, had, like, slightly exaggerated features. Um, Saber Wolf for the GBA, like, the, the characters almost look like they could fit into the Mario universe a bit. Like, the proportions of them. They're, they're all very, like... Stubby. Uh, stubby and like bulbous noses and like just just exaggerated features. And so it definitely you feels know what it, you know what it really uh reminds me of? What? Uh Ardman animation, like Wallace and Gromit uh yeah. has a real uh similar feel to that. Like if they ever did a uh Saber Wolf animated series, I'm sure that's down the line. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh i i would i think it would be cool if it was if it looked like their stuff if it was animated by those guys that it, it has similar charms I, I could see that also just the the general uh englishness of it exactly yeah yeah oh yeah. Uh, yeah so anyway what is the plot of saber wolf gba so and this is going to be my attempt at explaining it. I, I might be missing some <laughs> finer details here. So Saberwolf GBA takes place years after the original games that they, they developed as ultimate play of the game. The, the original four Saberman games, which was what? Saberwolf, um, Underworld, um, was it Nightlore? Yeah, those are the three. No, there not there a fourth? Was there a fourth? Only three of them are in Rare Replay. Yeah, yeah. I know one of them was canceled. They they left one out. So, Pentagram. Oh, Pentagram. Okay. Um, so, let me read you the Wikipedia entries for each. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming they're short enough that you can just read all of them. Yes. Uh, Saber Wolf, 1984. 
in which Saberman must escape a large jungle maze by collecting four pieces of an amulet while avoiding the titular wolf. Finding all four would grant access to, and then we have the sequels. Um, Underworld, 1984, in which Saberman must find three weapons to defeat three guardians in an extensive system of caverns. This done... That game... That game's almost unplayable. <laughs> this this done, three X's are available, each leading to one of the following three games. What the hell? Uh, Night Lore, 1984, in which Saberman arrives at Night Lore Castle to seek a cure for his newfound lycanthropy. You know, you know, <laughs> you know what happens. Uh, uh, every day. Collecting a number of items for the resident wizard... Mel- Melchior achieves both the cure <laughs> and progress to Pentagram 1986, in which Saberman, as a newly qualified wizard himself, Saberman, <laughs> Saberman the Beige, embarks on a quest to find the Pentagram, a powerful magical artifact. Once this is achieved, Saberman is directed to the final game in the series, which was never released, and about which oh. little is known, which was... Uh, M- Meyer Mare? I think so. That sounds right. Yeah. No, it is because that's what Wikipedia says. But um, anyway, so so the Saberman series convoluted as hell. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, he was frozen, uh, according to Banjo Tui, thawed out in the year 2000. And um, we'll get into that in a bit. But um, the, the plot of Saberwolf GBA is like... Presumably decades, at the very least, after the original games. Um, a mad scientist by the name of Dr. Doolittle Good. <laughs> Which, okay, there are some terrible names in this game. Like, um, it's it's hilarious to me. It, 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 like, it, I'm, I'm saying it's terrible in a delightful way. When I say terrible, oh, I'm, totally. I'm not shaming Rarer. And the team for this. I, I'm just saying, like, th- there is no way these characters were ever going to be iconic, beloved <laughs> institutions. So they just kind of went for broke. The the main ba- baddie, uh, aside from the Saber Wolf, who is a mystical, immortal wolf, who we don't really know the origins of. Uh, he, he, it's kind of, kind of this legendary jungle beast that can't die. And um, this is further elaborated upon in Sea of Thieves, of all things, when you get the uh, the wolf ship in um, in the Pirate Emporium, the descriptions kind of get into this like jungle legend, and like that's that's even in the time of Sea of Thieves is whispered about by sailors, like oh the the saber wolf. Um, so the, the saber wolf can't die, and it's kind of the driving antagonist in the levels, because once you get to the end of a level, and you get the treasure, the wolf comes out of his lair, or wakes up, and goes, oh, and starts chasing <laughs> Saberman, and then, then it becomes this frantic chase, like, evading the wolf, and trying to get back to Saberman's tent, and, and, you know, as the game progresses, the wolf gets faster, and more agile, craftier. So you have to kind of trick the wolf into like. Sometimes you can trick trick him into falling into a pit or uh, like the muck or the lava or the sludge, 
And that's and, my favorite. Yeah, because then you don't really have to worry about them. And you know he's fallen yeah. when you hear like a more distant wolf cry, like, okay, he's off the the board now. I, I can just move at my own leisure. And um and then other times he chases you all the way back and there's nothing you can do about it. But but the, the Saber Wolf is more presented more as an elemental force. That's been unleashed by Dr. Doolittle Good, a mad scientist who wants to claim the land that uh, the game takes place on. We'll get into the actual setting here, but roughly it, it's a um, like, like wilderness that's sort of been colonized by humans, um, mostly under the auspices of the Nightshade Mining Company. Uh, like, they, they have brought this town here, like, the, the Black Witch Village, Dragon Skull Town, and, and, like, it's all based on this mining operation that, that is going on under, um, the Nightlore Mountains. So, all, we'll get into the world names, too, but all of them are based on, um, names from Ultimate Play the Game titles they developed it. yeah so uh anyway so dr doolittle can i can i just say yeah. Kyle, before you go on dr doolittle good might be one of the worst villains in anything ever but he's great i love him for it but like not only the name he's just like he's probably like the most generic evil mad scientist you can get like yeah. I'd, I'd put him with evil acorn in terms of uh dku villains evil acorn. i love him i love him because of it evil acorn is hilarious because he's an evil acorn like the, yeah. the name is what you get i mean i mean exactly <laughs> and, and he's pretty evil he's pretty sadistic uh dr do little good he, he does do little good i mean that yeah you get what you sign up for but you're right as far as uh <laughs> I guess antagonist in the DKU go not the most inspiring. Uh, you're never going to see a smash campaign for this fucker. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's uh, you know, it, it's funny cause this came out not even a year after ghoulies. Um, and compared with Dr. Crackpot, Dr. Doolittle good. is not like, he's another mad scientist character. And I'm just like, we, we have Baron K. Rollenstein. We have Klungo to an extent. We have Dr. Crackpot. Dr. Doolittle Good is the fourth best mad scientist in the DKU. Like, oh, no, God. no, no, fifth. Because after the professor in Conquer, like, he's, <laughs> not, he, he, he's, he's bottom rung. There's nothing about him that sets him apart from other mad yeah. scientists. Yeah, someone's got to be last place. <laughs> But, like, out of all of the tropes that uh, Saberwolf could have operated under, because this, this this takes place in a kind of a certain time, a certain vibe it, from, like, um, adventure stories. You, you could have, no, it could have been something flagrantly racist, so I'm glad we didn't go that route. But, um, that's true. You know, having, having just a white mad scientist, sure, I guess that's, that's, I guess safe. Um, but whoever came up with the name Doctor Doolittle Good deserves a raise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's uninspiring. But he, what what he wants to do is he wants to exploit the land for himself. He doesn't like that they're and which which might make him seem honorable and noble. Like, oh yeah, he wants to drive off these colonizers. Good for him. But <laughs> really, like, I I think it's it's not really explained at least in the game I've played yet 
or in the instruction manual, but I think that the bad creatures aren't necessarily all native. I think some of them may have been augmented by Dr. Doolittle Good. Like, oh, uh, I could see that. Um, and so he wants to exploit this land for his mad science. Uh, which, you know, hews pretty closely to, like, Dr. Crackpot, who invented the ghoulies, right? Like, do we really need another mad scientist who, who is just, um, creating, like, nonsense creatures? But it is what it is. I mean, I'm, we can't change that aspect <laughs> of the plot. So, uh, yeah, that, that's... Anyway, so Dr. Doolittle Good, so Saberwolf has been ca- trapped as a statue, once Saberman collected all the pieces of the amulet, uh, that, that like freezes this elemental wolf creature. And Saberwolf has been trapped like that since the original game, um, Saberwolf 1984. And what Dr. Doolittle Good, uh, do, what Dr. Doolittle Good does, I, it's, it can't say it, it doesn't flow off the tongue. <laughs> Um, by this point, like, Black Witch Village is built up around the statue of Saberwolf, in which the amulet is at the base of it. And so Dr. Doolittle Good says, well, shit, all I need to do is break this amulet, and then we've got a, a hungry wolf, uh, roaming about, and, and this will help me drive off the, uh, inhabitants of this land. And so he yeah, got- I, guess, I guess they're like partners because you see him like riding in the <laughs> yeah. hot air balloon with Doolittle. <laughs> you, you think like Saber Wolf would have just like in the first two minutes or less just bitten into the dude's neck and just like knocked him out of his <laughs> hot air balloon? Like what? What are you doing, Saber? But I guess Saber Wolf is just like playing the long game here. <laughs> I don't know. I guess so. There's really no benefit to him teaming teaming up with him, right? Um. I guess, I guess fast travel. He's got the blimp, or he's got the hot air balloon, oh, so, so he can. <laughs> you know. he can't miss out on that. Yeah, so that's the plot of the game. So, so Saberman is camped just outside of Black Witch Village. I guess he's on another expedition um, to the to this area, and so the mayor of Black Witch Village comes about, and he's like, "Oh, Saber Saberman, Doctor Do Little Good." Has uh, freed the saber wolf. We need your help because you've dealt with this, the saber wolf in the past. And and saber man's like, but I'm old now. <laughs> Spot on saber man impression. It, well, yeah, I could have done the uh, the English accent, but you know you don't want to hear that. So it, it, basically, it's just saber man complaining how old he is, and then going around to all the areas and. Uh, meeting a lot of mindless idiots who need his help for various tasks that aren't really related to the Saber Wolf's uh, freedom and and Doctor Doolittle Good's machinations. It's like, hey, I need a cow costume, dude. Can you give me a cow costume? <laughs> like, yeah, I, hey, hey, I would love to see a fish. I've never seen a fish in my life. Can you bring me a fish, <laughs> Saber Man? And Saber Man's like, you've never seen a fish. It's like, no. And these are all real quests in the game, by the way. I'm not making these up. Or it's like, hey, I really want to seduce that pretty lady, but I need flowers. Can you find flowers? I'm like, you're in a jungle, dude. Like, go out. Five <laughs> Look feet. around. Yeah. Take a couple steps. Anyway, so Saberman has, like, in traditional rare protagonist style, Saberman has to do everything for everybody because everybody's a dribbling, helpless idiot. 
<laughs> and I love it. I mean, it's, it's great. It, it's it's, yeah. it's it's wonderful. So anyway, that that's generally the plot, broad strokes, right? Because um, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're we're missing all the little nuances of it. There there are nuances because each area you meet new uh, people who have different requests, and you get little bits of slice of life, right? Like, uh, you, let's just talk about uh, Seymour Butts. Oh, we're just jumping right into it. Yeah, there's a character named Seymour Butts. Um, and uh, this, I wonder why they call him that. Well, see, Saber Wolf. Uh, so Seymour Butts lives on Nightlore Mountain up by the little resort that these people have built. And uh, the Saber Wolf has come along. And, you know, whereas sometimes he steals treasure, he also steals trinkets from the towns. And in this case, he just stole the clothes off of Seymour Butts. And Seymour Butts is naked up in the snowy mountain. And and so Saberman meets him and he's like, good God, man, you're naked. And uh, like, hide your shame. And and Seymour Butts is like, <laughs> what? I can't do anything about it. The wolf got my clothes. And um, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Have a second set of clothes? Right. He's only got the one. He's a video game character. <laughs> And and so yeah, you see his ass cheeks. Like you never see his his uh his doodle. His uh, you never see the you n- you never see uh any genitalia. But uh, that, it's too bad. I feel like they could have broken new ground. If yeah, yeah. You know, just have Saber Wolf be the first adults only Game Boy Advance game. <laughs> just uh, the full frontal nudity. I think. <laughs> what a real- this is the only time it happens. This is the only reason it's rated AO. Yeah, and would it, it would it would have really done a lot to legitimize the industry in the eyes of the mainstream. I feel like yeah, people people would have been talking about it to this day. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about it right now, and there was no full frontal nudity. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Anyway, so you, you have to go get clothes for Seymour Butts, and and so it's kind of a quest. You have to go and backtrack into other areas and there is a funky kong analog in the game named charlie atlas so also again i told, said the names were stupid um you get like why are you referencing charles atlas of all people like who who is like uh you know bodybuilder right but he's charlie atlas because he can get you from area to area in his in right. his hot air balloon and so you <laughs> you have to pay him gold and he can he can take it back and eventually you you open up pathways back um so you don't necessarily need to use charlie atlas but in sometimes you were like you're stuck in an area until you complete it and you know figuring out the the way around is is part of the fun of saber wolf but charlie atlas will get you uh to places you've already been and um anyway you get you get close for seymour butts and then you you clothe him and he's happy. <laughs> that that's that's his character arc. Now he's happy. And then he's also standing by a fire and he says, "I love toasting my nuts by the fire." Or or something like <laughs> some, something very juvenile like that where they're like, "Oh, they meant nuts." Like like, you know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, but what they really meant were testicles. Oh, uh, these cheeky rare developers. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna open up at a cider right now because I uh, I finished my one cider and I feel like this is gonna be a two cider episode. 
<laughs> By the way, I am yeah. drinking. I am drinking uh, on this episode Bold Rock Cider, uh, brewed in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. Bold Rock. Ooh, those are my favorite mountains. The rock that is bold. <laughs> All right, so Saberman would be proud. Yeah, where does Saberwolf GBA take place, Dustin? So, I admit my impression of this has been colored a uh, finger has been put on the scales by one Cameron Regal here because on Cameron's rare archipelago map uh, he went ahead and he drew a, a small island off the coast of the Isle of Hags that is representative of Saberwolf GBA's ah, landscape he, he, he was forward thinking like most people other than me, he thought, hey, Saberwolf GBA should probably be DKU. <laughs> Thank so, you, Cameron. Wonderful, wonderful uh, illustration, by the way. I love that map. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> by the way, uh, we're missing uh, the goodness, the, the, the do little goodness in the live stream chat. Um, <laughs> Cameron says, uh, in reference to uh, the missed full frontal for Seymour Butts, refer to it as his Doolittle. <laughs> oh, I can't believe Rare missed out on that name. <laughs> and given that wants, pun anyway. Given wants to point out that Dragon Slayer was the first Disney film with full frontal nudity, and nobody talks about it anymore. Oh shit! I I want to watch it now. Is it on Disney Plus? I wonder. I probably not if there's full frontal nudity in it. <laughs> I guess that's true. Like no do, one's everyone wants to hide what the first Disney movie with full frontal nudity is. Yeah, I mean everybody everybody hated the book of Boba Fett cuz of that scene where Boba Fett hangs dong. It's like was that really necessary? <laughs> like I I did I never thought he got out of the Sarlacc Sarlacc pit that way. Like that's that's <laughs> obviously that's how he did it um (laughs) so it's probably i mean according to cameron's map uh it's near the isle of hags and i would agree that makes sense it would have to be near the isle of hags because saberman explains in manjo tui he chased the wolf up the mountain Mm -hmm. uh being the mountain being hailfire peaks which is on the the coast of the Isle of Hags. It's actually its own island. It's an islet off uh, the Isle of Hags. So um, if if he chased the wolf up the mountain um, and he's clutching a piece of the amulet there, then I would presume when when the wolf was freed um, at, at some point again, or maybe before this, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into this about when Saber Wolf GBA takes place. But it would have had to be close enough where they could have made a swim for it to Hellfire Peaks. So right, I agree. Yeah. So and, and maybe you know Doctor Doolittle Good's uh, balloon came into play. Uh, who knows? But couldn't be <laughs> that classic far. balloon. Couldn't be that far. And you know, I don't think it's established in the game if this is an island or if it's mainland. It I, it doesn't really come up. Um, we know there's co- we know there's shore at least because there's a there's a there's docks there's a port. So yeah. so it does have ocean access, which, which is handy for us, you know, and and the rare archipelago. I I I'm gonna 
fall on the side of it being an island. Just because mainland gets dodgy. If we say that this is mainland, if it's part of a, a continent like um, Africa or Europe, then all of a sudden we have like a fictional mountain on a, an established continent where people live. And, and I'm not comfortable with that, like breaking the reality of the real world uh, versus like the DKU and, and the rare archipelago. Like, right. Uh, you know, the MCU, for example, has like fictional areas like Sokovia and, and stuff, but it's like, wait, wait wh- but where does that exist? Like how, how does that like Wakanda, but what is is that supplanting anything in Africa? Or Wakanda being there. Um, so like having night lore mountain there, I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it's easier to contain it all within the actual archipelago. I, I think the only exceptions I make are Ghoulhaven Hall takes place on the southern English coast, and then you've got Pantsland, which is this vague county uh, or, or whatever, like in somewhere in rural England. Um, that that's that, I, I I can swim. just like in real life. I can squint my eyes and believe maybe there's a pants land, like a, a very <laughs> small area that just celebrates Mr. Pants. But having a giant mountain, Night Lore Mountain, that's that's a bit rougher to reconcile. So, yeah, you can't just change how the world works unless it's Mr. Pants related. <laughs> right. I, I I'm willing to bend reality for Mr. Pants, but only no. <laughs> So the naming conventions of the game, though, as I said, every world is named after an ultimate play the game title. Um, we've got Black Witch Village, Karnath Jungle. Help me out here, Dustin. Dragon Skull. Dragon Skull Town. We've got, is it Entombed Swamp? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I could probably just pull up uh, a list of ultimate play of the game titles, and then it would just come to mind. Um, yeah, so can I just say Karnath is such a cool word, and they use it a lot. Not just here; uh, they use it in Battletoads, and every time it, every time I see the word Karnath, I'm like, "That's a good word." I like that. <laughs> good word. <laughs> yeah, we've got. Um... Underworld, um, I guess the Underworld Mines. That's right. Yeah, Nightshade is mining company. That's the mining company that runs the Underworld Mines. And, um, yeah, you've also got, like, certain characters who have these names. Uh, like, the gentleman who runs the shop, his name is Cookie, after the game Cookie. Um, you've got a ship named the uh, HMS Bubbler. And, of course, your mind goes to the octopus from Diddy Kong Racing. But Bubbler, in fact, was a game released by Ultimate Play of the Game. That's crazy. And the octopus was named after that. Oh, Probably, yeah. So, So a lot of these names in Rare Games all have a source from 1983 to 1987. It was Probably a game they made way back when. Uh, oh, and the Temple of uh, Imhotep. I have a whole long rambling rant about the Temple of Imhotep. We're going to get to that 
towards the end. I of can't the episode. wait. I, I, yeah, I'm. That's why I'm drinking another cider. <laughs> you got to be in the right state of mind to talk about this. Yeah. So everything is named after that. And and by the way, like Sea of Thieves brings things like the Black Witch ship, uh, Sir Arthur Pendragon's ship that wrecked. Um, in the Sea of Thieves. That that's in there. Karnath is a card game uh that, that's referenced in a lot of Sea of Thieves ancillary material. And so the question is, well, did the was a town named after the ship? Was the ship named after the town? Was the card game na- named after the jungle? The jungle named after the card game. I I think that's a debate that could be left hanging in open air for a bit. Uh I know Jeff brought this up on the DK Vine forum in the slush fun thread today. Uh, the day we're recording. Uh, so, like, I, I could see, like, Sir Arthur Pendragon's uh, voyages. Like, he might have discovered this island. And, and so they named it Blackwitch Village for the first ship um, that was, like, spotted by English uh, colonizers or whatever. And, I hadn't even thought about that. I love that. You know, Karnath could have been the game they played while exploring the jungle. And so it was named Karnath Jungle. Um, you know, there, there's a, there's a lot of like dots you can connect, and it's it's all just conjecture. It's all just fan wanking at the end of the day. But you know, they leave just enough wiggle room with the established history between Sea of Thieves and and this game, and the, and the own history of uh, Saberman that you know you you can kind of like see it, like okay, yeah, that could have led to that, and that could have led to that. So. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's fun stuff to think about, especially since, you know, Rare is not going to come out and say, oh, yeah, Sea of Thieves, uh, we got the it, it connects to Saberwolf GBA. Bet you didn't know. I, I mean, they could. I, I just uh, I don't see it happening. So what's the harm? I mean, I, I could see somebody, you know, at Rare who who is really into like the obscura like the 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 very like dusty rare lore like like making that connection and like an item description in sea of thieves or you know but that's true saber wolf did have a song on that 35th anniversary rare album so there's there's some there's someone there with an interest in saber man yeah Given says, well, keep in mind the black witch was a legendary ship that existed long before pendragon found it also, Karnath Ooh, that's true. was an evil wizard from long ago whose castle Pendragon looted, and who became the giant snake that you encounter in uh, the Battletoad games. So, that's awesome. I I love that. So maybe the card game was named after the wizard, and then the jungle was named after the card game. They named a whole jungle after a card game. You know, you know, sometimes when you go into, you know, the rummy woods, you know, you're like, (laughs) but you didn't know where this name came from. (laughs) Go fish forest. (laughs) Oh, my favorite. So anyway, do you have any bear traps? (laughs) The question is, what do we refer to this this uh, island, this land as? Because, you know, we, we have so many established names. Donkey Kong Island, Crocodile Isle, Mechanical Crocodile Isle, the Northern Cremosphere, uh, e- even the Tropical Freeze Islands all have names. Lost Mangroves, Autumn Heights, Bright Savannah, um, 
Seabreeze Cove, Juicy Jungle. And uh, then we have the Isle of Hags. We have uh, Willow Woods, which contains the Panther Kingdom. We have Pinata Islands. And um, the, the only one we've really fan-wanked, right, as far as, far as locations in the archipelago, uh, Jungle Beats locations, which are, like, sometimes referred to as the Fruit Kingdoms. But mm-hmm. um, in Donkey Konga 2, at least in the uh, English translation, I'm not sure... Uh, what what the original Japanese would have been. Dixie says she just got back from a cruise to the faraway lands. And, and you're like, what are the faraway lands? And because uh, here, uh, at least in the West, Conga 2 came out right after Jungle Beat, my idea was, well, after Jungle Beat fell under, under the protection, or after the area that Jungle Beat takes place in, fell under the protection of Donkey Kong and his kind of governance once he became the king. Um, Then that really opened up uh, the the, the tourist industry from Donkey Kong Island to this area, which Dixie refers to as the faraway lands, the the southernmost area of the Rare Archipelago. Because uh, if you you look at the... um, like jungle beat environments versus like when it came out i think there's a good case to be made that it takes place in the southern hemisphere rather than a, like around the equator or whatever anyway <laughs> i i fan wank the faraway lands as the name retroactively applied to the jungle beat fruit kingdoms so at least there's some in-game evidence to point to that this would be something we'd have to completely make up because nowhere yeah. in this game do they say like this is this is the land that dr Doolittle good wants to pillage i i think a good fan name um just give us something to call it would be ultimate island um i like that i love that and and you could even like rationalize well they called it ultimate island because it provided everything it, it was the. It really was <laughs> the ultimate island for these settlers of the Nightshade Mining Company. So they truly were an ultimate island. Now, if Sea of Thieves comes along and says, "No, actually, it's called Seymour uh, Butts uh, Kingdom," then I'm going to be like, "Fine, that's what it's called." I'm not. I'm not married to anything here. But we do need something. Yeah, they never go into it in the game. But he <laughs> is actually the ruler of this land. Right. The king has no clothes. The emperor has no clothes. Uh, <laughs> we, we we need to um, have a shorthand to call it. So we just can't call it like the, the, the Saber Wolf Island or whatever. That's not the way DK Vine rolls. We get very explicit. As explicit as Seymour Butts do little. Uh, so, you know, Ultimate Island. It works. Um but again, if I love it. If it's ever contradicted or if there's any evidence that comes up to the contrary, be happy to happy to change it. Uh it's it's not gonna be anything I'm gonna argue about. Yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll get it any day now. Hey. Maybe you will. Maybe maybe this podcast will come out and it'll get uh people talking about it, and then we'll get an official confirmation on what the island's called. Saberwolf Mania is running wild right now. <laughs> I'm sure THQ is calling up Rare like, hey, do you have a sequel? <laughs> you have a sequel ready to go? We'll publish it. We'll actually promote it this time. <laughs> we'll actually make copies for people to play. 
I can't believe I managed to find a copy at GameStop. I just found it like one day back in 2004. I was like, I know that guy. He's he's from Banjo. I'm going to buy this. I yeah, I got I got the one copy my GameStop had. The one copy. Yeah, yeah they never got replenishments <laughs> either. It was just one and done. Um <laughs> you are the owner of our Saberwolf stock. Yeah. They had to put the sign on the door. Sorry, we are out of Saberwolf. <laughs> Parentheses GBA. <laughs> Everyone outside, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Good thing I sh- I got in line five days early for that midnight release. <laughs> oh, I wish I wish that was the world we lived in. <laughs> so the question being, if if we know where Saber Wolf roughly takes place, when does it take place? Because this. Uh-oh. Dustin, I think it's going to be the most controversial aspect of this episode because I don't have an answer yet. I, I'm hoping <laughs> to formulate an answer before, like, by the time I'm done with the game. But honestly, I don't know. Uh, because you would think just, just hearing about the game, oh, it takes place when it came out, 2004. Because, hey, Saberman, he was thawed out by Mumbo and Banjo and Kazooie in Hailfire Peaks in the year 2000 in the game Banjo-Tooie. And he says in that game, uh, he was frozen in 1984. So, I mean, right. like that, that's a pretty clear timeline there. Frozen in 1984, thawed out in the year 2000. He has a new game. Okay, this must take place uh, almost four years after Banjo-Tooie. And that's what I thought, too. And then I started playing the game. And (laughs) and I read the instruction manual. And I was like, huh. A lot of the presentation here, a lot of the the, the textual tone kind of suggests this takes place no later than the (laughs) mid-1930s. And, um... Considering the fact that, you know, it does star a pith helmet wearing Englishman who shouts for the Empire. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem to take place in the era of the Iraq War. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's um, <laughs> it, it, it does feel like a period piece. And part of that is, um, I think, really stressed with things like. The photography aspect of the game, because the the camera you get, which is a giant flashbulb camera, is described as new technology, like like this this newfangled device that Saberman has been wanting to try. You know, photography, a crazy contraption, a camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I think Charlie Atlas. It's referred to like his his hot air balloon is like. Um, still kind of cutting edge <laughs> travel. <laughs> and um, so I, I was like, well, the, the game feels definitely pre-World War II. Like, like that would be the definite cutoff point if we were to take all this at face value, right? Like World War II was really where the 20th century, as most of us think of it, began um a lot of uh rapid technological changes a lot of uh social progress through the 60s and 70s and you know 
this feels like an Indiana Jones movie. It, it feels like it takes place in the 1930s. And, um, like, maybe, like, there are no Nazis in the game, so I'm not gonna say, like, well, yeah, you know, clearly, because the Third Reich is also trying to exploit this land. No, the Nazis never show up, so I don't know if it takes place in the 30s, but, um, for example, Saberman will shout gently Bentley, um, as one of the, his, his catchphrases whenever he evades the wolf. Like, he, he gets back to his tent and he's like, gently Bentley. Bentley, of course, being an automobile manufacturer in England. Uh, Bentley was founded. I looked, I, I, I did research, Dustin. Bentley was founded Whoa. in the year 1919, uh, but became prolific and widespread and famous after winning the Le Mans, the 24 hours of Le Mans race, uh, in the last several years of the 1920s. Uh, and then they won it in 1930 as well. So, so so it's Saberman uh doing one of his many pop culture references. You know that Saberman. He, he really yeah. was he really was the Robin Williams genie of his time. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's the thing about Saberman. He is an old man in this game. He is um always going on about how he's past his prime. However, the the mayor of Blackwich Village talks about when he when he saved their village from the wolf. There there is like this um recognized like familiarity between them. Like you you were here before, I know you. And and so you could say, "Okay, well maybe that you know, uh the adventures of Saberman took place in 1984, and this is just some sort of backwater, like, throwback, isolated group of weirdos who, humans who have settled in the rare archipelago on Ultimate Island, and, and that accounts for the, like, sluggish technology, especially if they're, like, I don't know, like, uh, pilfering their technology from what, like, wrecks a ground in lost mangroves or, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> See, th- that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. And the only reason for that is, well, I mean, on top of the Banjo-Tooie thing is uh, in the mayor's office, he has, like, posters of the Ultimate Games. Yes, he does. Um, which, you know, you couldn't maybe rationalize. Uh, here, here's the th- here's the thing. Here's here's where it starts getting tricky. And I'm not mm. talking about the Earthwalker Triceratops who came from Soria <laughs> and settled on Timbers Island, probably around the 1950s. <laughs> uh, so, if Saberman was a young man during the events of the Ultimate Games, Saberman. Uh, Underworld, Night Lore, Pentagram, uh, Meyer Mare, which may not be canonical. I don't canonical. I don't really know since it didn't happen. If he was a young man then. Uh, he's an old man now. He was an old man when he was frozen. So this game is suggesting that those games took place like at least thirty years in the past. And, yeah. and, and, and there is like blatant discontinuity here with Banjo Tooie, which we will have to rationalize. Like, like I, <laughs> and I'm, I'm pretty much open to everything. I'm not married to one or the other. You know, it, it's like, 
I I would love for this to take place post Tui, but I can also definitely see this being a period piece in 1935, which creates a whole set of issues. But yeah, <laughs> he, he, um, like it, the uh, the original Saber Wolf, right? Like that would be roughly analogous to the era of um, Kipling. Rudyard Kipling and like you know that that era of like British imperialism and um, you know quote unquote you know g- going going to Africa going to India you know sort of like exploring these lands and writing about them and um, late eighteen hundreds maybe well while this is definitely uh, post industrial revolution. Uh, the the world is changing. You know, we got new new modern technology. Saberman's now old, which would place this in the era of Indiana Jones and the adventure serials of you know the onset of motion pictures, nineteen um, thirties, right? So I can see right. that if it wasn't for Banjo Tooie, uh, Banjo Tooie is kind of like this this complicated aspect of it all, which reintroduced Saberman as an old man. All right. So you could say, well, maybe Saberman misspoke when he said 1984, and, and maybe like he was frozen after the events of, let's say, Saberman, Saberwolf Mobile, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> uh, so, so maybe like, like and this happens all the time in in shared universes where there will be a date and you have to disregard the date, like. Not to bring the MCU back up, but in, in Spider-Man Homecoming, um, the, the first solo Spider-Man film in the MCU, the events of the Avengers were said to have happened eight years in the past. And then they said, well, that was a mistake. Uh, it, it actually happened uh, six years in the past. Um, and that, or, or like five years in the past, I think. Yeah, five years. And then that was like blatantly contradicted with the events of Avengers Endgame, where it was established that no, the Avengers took place in 2012 and not, um, and Spider Man Homecoming doesn't take place in 2020. Okay, so, you know, right. the 1984 reference, I was even thinking, well, could he have like referenced like he was frozen while reading the George Orwell novel? Uh, but the George that's obviously what he meant the george orwell novel was released uh hardcover edition was released in 1949 uh the mass market paperback edition came out in 1950 so even if we were to account for that and maybe push the timing of this game a little bit forward there might be like 10 years between this and him getting frozen so like if he's already complaining about his knees in this game like how old is he in banjo tooie we could make it work, right. and, and I'm open to all possibilities here, but there is a there is another aspect to all of this that we didn't actually Ooh. bring up on the last episode, the, the, uh, the DKU Tribunal episode for Saber Wolf. And this is the other big way that Saber Wolf spins out of the DKU more than just Banjo-Tooie. Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Advance. Oh, we forgot to talk about this last time. I I, I was like, like, we don't really need to bring it up because it doesn't really um, settle anything because the actual Saber Wolf 
I don't think he really changed designs, unlike Saberman. Uh, his design hues very closely to how he looked in the Ultimate Play of the Game game. Right, uh, he's a wolf. He's, he's just a blue wolf. He's, he's, a wolf. he's a blue wolf with a very distinctive head, right? Yeah. So, in Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Advance, which we accept as happening... Uh, there's a little bit of confusion here in the Slush Fund forum thread where I started talking about the Game Boy Color version and and I, I think Jeff thought I was referring to the Game Boy Advance version. But we accept that the Game Boy Advance remake trilogy are just remakes, right? They take place um, with the Super Nintendo versions. They They might show us events we weren't privy to. Uh, like Candy's dance studio, like or Candy being Swanky's assistant, his man of yeah. white, like or or Cranky illegally racing espresso in underground ostrich places. <laughs> they left that out of the Super Nintendo version, but now you get to see it in all its glory. Right. So you know we we basically view them as they are they are canon. The Super Nintendo version always takes uh, first priority, but we are never going to say that espresso racing didn't happen. We're, we're never going to say <laughs> the fight against kerosene never happened or, or, um, croc the puss. And they, you know, Dixie and Kitty went to Pacifica bachelor bear certainly exists. So in the donkey Kong country GBA remake, the original one from 2003, um, well, the second remake of DKC, but the original, the, the first one in the GBA remake trilogy, uh, you see the interior of Cranky's cabin for the very first time. And Cranky has the decapitated head of the saber wolf hanging on his mantle. And um, the saber wolf, being this immortal mystical beast, he's not dead. He's blinking. He's still alive, but Cranky has decapitated him, has put him in Cranky's cabin. And next... Oh, what a hell. <laughs> next... To the, to the saber wolf head is a portrait, uh, maybe a painting of the saber wolf GBA cast. Saber man, cookie, uh, Tom leaf, all your favorites. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so cranky has a portrait of the saber wolf cast He's decapitated the the saber wolf himself, and this is in 1994, which suggests. And and your question about well, the mayor of a Black Witch has like posters from the Ultimate Games. Yes, but Cranky has the residents of Black Witch Village and Saberman as an old man and, and everything in a portrait on his wall in 1994. That's very true. So that's that's really throwing me. That that's tripping me up, Dustin. Because uh, and by the way, this isn't the. Some people erroneously say this is the grab by the ghoulies cast on the wall, and it's not. It is this. I I I I have proven this. This is the saber wolf cast. Um, lo- look towards the um the 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 bear, the purple bear, um, blubba. Look, 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 look to him in the artwork and look to the serpent creature and, and then match it up with the uh, released wallpaper artwork that Rare released. They are identical images. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, normally I would love for it to be ghoulies. I love ghoulies getting any sort of representation it can get. 
But I think Saberwolf GBA is even less known than Ghoulies, so in this case, I'm glad it gets a little uh, little love in a different game. And Cranky having the grab by the Ghoulies cast in 1994 would have completely shattered continuity. Like, it, it <laughs> would have destroyed the DKU, blown a giant hole in its side, and it would have never recovered. Having, DK Vine just would have, it wouldn't be here today. It wouldn't. I would I would have called it. I'd be like, uh, hey, sorry, everyone, but it's the grab by the ghoulies cast on a wall. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so, okay. So, this suggests that the, the events of this game did happen in the past. And you could say, maybe it happened in 1984. Maybe, maybe this is the event right before Saberman got frozen does it doesn't account for weirdness like um photography being new to these people or uh you know hot air balloons being uh, the hot trendy way to travel but you know we could massage over that as we have to do some things okay so like you were saying before you can just say these this is a town that's stuck in the past they only just got photography the only thing is I, I'm not wild about there being a human colony in the rare archipelago. Like, I'm fine with weirdos being there in present time. Like, the bird fetishist, like Chopper Bird and Canary <laughs> Mary, who dress up as birds and, like, I'm a bird. And, and <laughs> uh, you know, or, like, um, Captain Black Eye, this immortal drunken pirate who's just like, whatever, I'm, I'm living here now. Uh, but, but like a whole mining colony, it, that, that raises the question. If this is still there in like modern times, why haven't they completely exploited and destroyed Donkey Kong Island? Why, why, you know, like, like what, what, what is keeping that from happening? And you, you could make the argument that if, if this takes place far enough in the past that, after the events of Saber Wolf Mobile, assuming that we recognize that as a separate adventure, um, which I don't know, I haven't slush funded it yet. We'll see. But um, we know that this the the wolf returned yet again, uh, and that led to the events of Banjo Tooie, where Saber Man was frozen. So maybe the wolf like wiped out. Black Witch Village, like maybe all of our favorites died horrible deaths, um, like Wesley Snaps. Maybe, maybe oh we- no, maybe Wesley Snaps, you know, drowned in his own blood. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and then Christ. and then the Nightshade Mining Company was like, you know, it was kind of like a lost colony of Roanoke situation, right? It's like, well, everybody disappeared. Uh, there, there's only one word written on the tree. It says Saber Wolf. <laughs> let, let's let's pull up out of this archipelago it is cursed it is haunted we don't want any part of this so uh you know maybe, maybe that would help explain it that's pretty dark that's a dark interpretation of what might happen uh and and i don't want to say like yeah i'm i'm fully on board with uh with uh boris and morris uh you know falling down the mine shaft and breaking their necks uh, <laughs> 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 Jesus, uh, Hor- Boris and Morris, Jorge Foreman, uh, you know, 
had had his pickaxe through his skull. Uh, yeah, we, we all, all all these lovable characters. You just want to kill them off. <laughs> you see what I mean by the stupid names, though. They they have a character, the foreman of the mine, named Jorge Foreman, like George <laughs> Foreman, the boxer. Or or oh, I get it. The guy who runs the photography place. His name is Wesley Snaps, like Wesley Snipes, the actor. <laughs> But but instead, this this pasty white guy who dresses like Abraham Lincoln and he likes photography, Wesley Snaps. I can't wait till we get that neon head on the forums. I I no, I you say that you joke, but I that's that's what I've been saying like almost every day since I started playing this. I'm like, where's my where's my Wesley Snaps neon avatar? I can't wait. That's one of my favorite things. Like it's so absurd, but I just love having uh, this become a bigger part of the DKU. So I like I I am open for timeline placement here, Dustin. But can I run something by you? One possible. I would love if you did. One possible interpretation of events here, and I'm not saying this is what I'm forcing on people because I know there are people who want this to be post Tui, and I know there are people mm-hmm. who are like, okay, I can see this being a prequel, but it can't be in the mid 30s. This takes place in 1984. Like, like maybe, maybe Saberman shouts for the Empire because he's all about Margaret Thatcher. Like, who knows? But, <laughs> um, here, he, here's here's my idea. Let let's assume that we can get past the 1984 hinkiness, and and Saberman was frozen sometime, um. Sometime prior to the events of Tui, you know, a- a- after this game, but before Tui, as we know, he was frozen. Um, the wolf would have still been loose, right? If if Saberman like fell into Hellfire Peaks and and got frozen, Captain America style, Saber Wolf would have still been loose. What right? What was done about it? Well, Saberman was frozen with a piece of the amulet, so you couldn't collect the whole amulet without like disturbing that. But Maybe Cranky Kong, in his youth as a swaggering video game hero, Donkey Kong Sr., heard about this mystical wolf rampaging about, and he was like, I'm going to be the hero. Similar to to the way his son-slash-grandson, the modern Donkey Kong, heard about those troubles in the faraway land and was like, I'm going to resolve this with my fist. And so (laughs) uh, Donkey Kong Sr. traveled to uh, the... Isle of Hags. And, and he said, hey, you wolf, knock it off. And he cut off his head. And, uh, <laughs> now Put this, an end to that real this, damn fast. This didn't kill Saber Wolf, right? Uh, you, it, it couldn't kill Saber. You can't kill the wolf. But it did temporarily <laughs> incapacitate him. And he took the head back to Cranky's cabin. I guess at that point it was just called the cabin. And he put it on the wall with a little memento of uh, the town that Saber Wolf made me wiped out, uh, this portrait uh, uh, from from back in the day, and, and he was like, "Yes, I am a true hero. I have done good today." And everybody rejoiced and celebrated, and and they're like, "We love you, Donkey Kong Senior." And this is <laughs> this is one of Donkey Kong's many non Mario related adventures that you know he probably goes on and on about. Right. I love that sounds like a soda slogan, like for Mountain Dew or something. You can't kill the wolf. <laughs> wolf Cola, yeah, Frank Reynolds. Uh, so, flash forward, the year is two thousand. 
Saberman gets dethawed and, and, and revived by Mumbo Jumbo, warmed up by Banjo and Kazooie. He's got a piece of the amulet. Saberwolf, back in Cranky's cabin as just a head, senses both the amulet and his old nemesis are back. And that gives him the impetus, the uh, the drive, the desire to expend the energy needed to regenerate his body. Because he, he has just been lying in wait, or rather hanging on the wall in wait, waiting for a moment to do this. Um, and, and so he regenerates his body. And That's horrifying. If This is where Donkey Kong Country Game Boy Color came up in the forum thread. If we are to accept that maybe Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Color is a separate adventure, the Donkey Kong Land Donkey Kong 64, because it incorporates a whole host of things from Donkey Kong 64, like the coconut gun, and, and it's it always felt to me like maybe it could be a separate adventure and kind of bookending the uh, the direct rare era of Donkey Kong. You know, it, it starts mm-hmm. with Donkey Kong Country. It ends with Donkey Kong Country. Um, there's a lovely symmetry there. I'm not saying you have That's to believe beautiful. that. But here's the thing about Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Color. If it is uh, an adventure that takes place in the year 2000, it was released on the same day as Banjo-Tooie. Meaning, Ooh. while the Kongs would have been... Uh, embroiled in K. Rule stealing a banana horde yet again. Saberman was getting revived on Hailfire Peaks. Saber Wolf was reviving himself. And so Cranky would have never even noticed this mystical wolf sneaking out of his cabin through the Congo jungle off Donkey Kong Island and towards the Isle of Hags to do Saberman in. Now, Saberman didn't die. Because we see Saberman in Banjo Pilot, which takes place in early 2005. Saberman is waving to you, to, to the to the Banjo Pilots. And, and so Saberman is fine, as late as 2005. And and we later see him in an IDARB, but I'm not going to say that's any canonical evidence, considering Richard Nixon is an IDARB, and Richard Nixon has been <laughs> dead since the 1990s. Um, so you're gonna have to really fan wank that one. No, I mean, uh, you know, time travel, whatever, you know, just <laughs> perfect. It's like, how does baby Mario exist? How does Donkey Kong Jr. exist in Mario Tennis? Time travel, Richard Nixon back again. Richard Nixon used the warp pipe, <laughs> no, the chest of time. Yeah, the chest of time. That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, that's what Billy Joel was singing about when he said Richard Nixon back again. He was singing about IDARP. <laughs> Oh uh, my God, Nixon! Kyle, I'm I'm just picturing you so sweaty as you, as you <laughs> go into this. I would put Nixon above Doctor Doolittle Good on my DKU antagonist chart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you kind of have to. At least he has a he has a non jokey name. Yeah, a name that took more than like two seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if if there was a character in uh in Saber Wolf based on Nix, it would be like Richard Nix off. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Kyle, you could write for Saber Wolf GBA. I know, man. THQ, you want the sequel? Give me a call. I'll I'll make all this nonsense work. Kyle's <laughs> got the magic fingers for this. Okay, Dustin, are you with me? All right. So, oh, I'm with you. And I am sweaty. Saberwolf comes to the Isle of Hags. Growl. Oh, Sa- but, but Saberman doesn't ever encounter him. What happens? 
What is this unseen event that keeps Saberwolf from doing in Saberman? Enter mm. Baron Von Ghoul from off of Grab by the Ghoulets. Now, I'm obviously I am not crazy. There is logic here. So, in Grab by the Ghoulies, we know that Baron Von Ghoul has made many of the expedition to the rare archipelago, specifically the Isle of Hags, because he has he has mementos there. He's gone hunting there. He shot Breagles. He shot honey bears. And oh, that's sad. He also brought with them a little token, a little memento that we know as Royston the Goldfish. Now, we last saw Royston prior to Grab by the Ghoulies at the end of Banjo-Tooie, where Mrs. Bottles had cooked him for dinner, and Bottles was was eating him a bit. Uh, he never finished him, though, obviously. And so we, we can only surmise that Royston was thrown out with the garbage uh, and, and was in the garbage can outside of the bottle's house. Baron Von Ghoul comes to the rare archipelago shortly thereafter. He would have had to to retrieve Royston from the garbage, right? So so maybe Baron Von Ghoul comes like right after the events of Banjo-Tooie. <laughs> I, I'm just picturing Baron Von Gould just going through Bottles' trash looking for anything to take. Right, like he's, he's, he's like looking for like uh, soiled underwear. He's a pervert. So, you know, he, <laughs> he, he's, got, he's got some dirt on everybody in the DKU. But he finds Royston. He's like a talking goldfish. This is weird. I'm going to put this in the classroom that I use in my mansion for all the abducted children. Because, uh, you know... He might abduct children because he, you know, they use their real name online. They shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that's true. That That's the lesson I took from Grab by the Ghoulies. But, you know, he's like, let's educate them while they're here. And, oh, we'll have a classroom pet, Royston. <laughs> now, what's also in Ghoulhaven Hall, Dustin? Hmm? Oh, I think I have an idea of what you're talking about. Could it be a, uh, could it be a wolf skin rug? A wolfskin rug in the shape of one wolf, comma, saber. So, yeah. Wow, you're, you're just blowing open all the doors. It's so, all coming together now. So, yeah, if, if Baron Von Gould goes to the Rare Archipelago, which, you know, by the way, how, how does he know about the Rare Archipelago? If I'm so adverse to humans, you know, having too much of a presence there, how does this uh, Baron from the UK know about it well his friend captain black eye told him check this out uh and and also he might have a relation he has a relationship with professor pester uh you know he 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 he's well connected this baron so he goes hunting and and on this expedition he finds the saber wolf now maybe he knows the legend maybe he doesn't but he's like this is what this is my prey right and he shoots Saberwolf and doesn't kill him again. But um, just like Cranky cutting off his head, it inca- incapacitates him. He takes him, he takes the, the wolf, what he thinks is the wolf corpse, back to Ghoulhaven Hall with him, skins it, makes a rug out of it. Now, Saberwolf will always regenerate. He will always return. This is not his permanent condition. But in 2003, this is where we see he's at. And I think I've laid out the timeline from 1994 to 2003, the whereabouts of Saberwolf. 
Is he still in Ghoulhaven Hall? We don't know. But. Wow. Yeah. Heil, you amaze me. I think you're the only person on this planet. Wouldn't it be crazy if it turned out there was someone else on this, in this (laughs) universe that thought exactly the same thing? Yeah. No, I like this idea. I really like uh, that the Saberwolf could technically be considered Royston 2.0. I I mean, yeah, I I like the idea that you can... um... You, you you can maybe like draw all these connections between Baron von Ghoul and Cranky Kong and, and um <laughs> you know Saberman himself. Like they, they've they've all tussled, they've all tangoed with this dude, this this bad wolf. Um not to steal from Doctor Who. But the the thing is like uh I think Conker's Pocket Tales, the wolves in Conker's Pocket Tales are also designed to evoke Saberwolf. But they are drones in that game. So I, I'm not suggesting that the actual Saberwolf appears in Conker's Pocket Tales. They're just evocative of the Saberwolf. Maybe they are a similar species, but not mystical immortal hell beast. You know, I, 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 we, right. don't, we don't know the origins of Saberwolf. That is like ambiguous and, and lost legend even within the games themselves. So we, we can't make any direct correlation there. It's just one of those things where, okay, that's just a reference for reference's sake. Um, but Ghoulies, Donkey Kong Country Game Boy Advance, those are explicitly Saberwolf. I love that. I think that's cool that... Uh... Even post buyout, you still get these rare properties in Donkey Kong's world. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So th- th- those are like connections with the broader DKU. But I wanted to get into some smaller connections found within Saberwolf GBA itself. And, and these are, I- I'm not saying any of these except the one are explicit references but it's amazing to me how it syncs up a little bit with the broader dku even things like ukulele uh come up (laughs) here so so right from the start there there's a reference right at the beginning of the game saberman has a pair of red y front underpants hanging at his campsite Uh, and i was just like yeah you right know? from the get-go, right they're, from the get-go, they're appealing yeah. directly to you. And they, not, they were kind of hoping you would play this in 2004. It's not surprising, considering, you know, the the handheld team was probably the most self-referential team at this. Well, that's not true, because, you know, the the banjo team and the pinata team, they, they referenced a whole hell of a lot. But um, you would get a lot of references to stuff only they had done. So, like... Right. You know, they reference Saberwolf. They, they foreshadow Saberwolf GBA in Donkey Kong Country for the Game Boy Advance. They uh, reference the still in development It's Mr. Pants and Saberwolf. And uh, Banjo Pilot uh, calls back to a lot of Granny's Revenge characters. So, you know, it, it's it's what they do. But the Red Y fronts. So if this does take place at a time when Mr. Pants and his uh, under where empire are thriving then these are just a pair of mr pants branded underpants saberman is a happy customer of them if this takes place as a period piece in the 1930s then this was the fashion pre-world war ii and mr pants revived it for the modern day 
as like, uh, you know, vintage clothes are, uh, this is what's hip again. This is what's coming back in style. The red Y front. He made them cool. And he he made them so cool, he got a television show where he just danced in them. (laughs) And that was the whole show. And everybody loved it. Everybody loved it. They're like, oh my God, Mr. Pants is on. Boggy was like, I can't, I I don't, I'm not going to give dinner to my fucking kids because I have to watch Mr. Pants. And, Seasons and, one through thirty of the Mr. Pants show are gold, solid gold. And then, of course, you know, Mr. Pants got his own um, area in the UK, like the Queen and um, Tony Blair. They were like, "Got to do it." I mean, Mr. Pants, <laughs> Mr. Pants is the biggest export since the Beatles. So, um, <laughs> you know, and they gave the Beatles MBEs and they knighted them, uh, well, half of them eventually. And so um, they gave Mr. Pants his own pants land. And then from there, he got his own television studio and he got his own game show. It's Mr. Pants, where you, yes, you were the very first contestant. So, you know, Mr. Pants. But... um that that's that's the explicit reference in the game but there are also lots of little ones that i'm like aha so if we apply to this so i I, i've made a short list this is just what i found so far okay the tavern uh slash inn where you have the tea guzzling contest with tom leaf it's laid out nearly identically to a sea of thieves tavern the the layout is remarkably consistent and, um, granted, I mean, it's not surprising given there's, you know, it's the same studio that would go on to make Sea of Thieves, but even things like resource barrels are in there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, whoa. And, and so, you know, if, if, uh, this land was, um, this island, ultimate island was, you know, passed by by pirates coming to and fro the Sea of Thieves, from the UK, Europe, Africa, elsewhere, you you could, you know, make the case that, of course, they share similar architecture, you know? Um, let's talk about some of the creatures, the good creatures. Uh, I love with. these creatures. Yeah. Uh, so, the golem, or, or golem. Um, golem is uh, the creature from Lord of the Rings, the, 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 the you know... The, the little scraggly dude. Uh, I can it, see how you could confuse the two. Because they're spelled the same. Um, yeah. Golem is a creature. It, it is kind of this um, creature made from clay or other things from Jewish folklore. Um, the actual description for the creature says, Made from solid stone, it will prevent almost anyone or anything from passing. Quite a useful creature when you've got the, the gusty... Uh, bad creatures blowing their wind and you're like, no, I'm going to put you there and shut you up. Um, but here's the thing, Dustin. So I w- there's a character in DKU that maybe you, as part of the Idaho crew, are familiar with. Ooh. Another creature referred to as a golem named Siegfried in Conqueror's Pocket Tales. And in Conqueror's Pocket Tales, Actually, in the instruction manual, it's referred to as the last of the stone golems. 
So wow. is Siegfried a golem, same as these? Well, if he's the last of them, then somewhere between the events of Saberwolf GBA, if it is a prequel, and Conqueror's Pocket Tales, the golems were wiped out and Siegfried was the last one. Now, they don't look anything alike, but I assume golems can come in many shapes and that's supported by the folklore. So, right. you know, uh, intro, I like these dudes, so I hate the, the, the idea that they might be dead. They might all be dead. Like, <laughs> but we all die someday, Dustin. Uh, that's true. We'll both. Thank be, you for reminding me. Yeah, we'll both be dead one day and people will be like, oh, I really like that episode of the conversation where they, they talked about Saberwolf. Uh, it's a shame they're both dead, <laughs> but we all die someday. Am I right? <laughs> Maybe we could have gotten more of them if they didn't die right after this episode. Well, I'm not saying we're going to die right after this episode. <laughs> Just like I'm not saying. Maybe the golems in this game had a long, happy life after this. But Yeah, I love the golems. I love how every time you place one, they got a big grin on their face. Yeah, but they like what they do. And what they do is block things. <laughs> <laughs> they get a real kick out of it. We're gonna, uh, I yeah. guess someday it'll be their undoing. So Bigfoot, we we already talked about this cre- creep, uh, this uh, this giant foot, which you think like this would be uh, a character championed more by Platonic. Right? Because yeah. the foot. Why? It's a foot. They love feet at platonic oh right remember right. the whole foot fetish <laughs> aspect of platonic <laughs> how could i forget it's the aspect we can all relate to all right that was that's that, what makes them human that became their whole brand they even got a sock deal out of it uh, <laughs> <laughs> so and then uh, Kyle, i was just here sitting here like wait what connection do they have with the feet oh i didn't i didn't, never even thought that it was the foot fetish remember when i uh super glued uh googly eyes to my toes and i sent them a picture of it and be like here you go <laughs> you can keep that one <laughs> i got a lot of followers that day <laughs> anyway my question is so bigfoot is just this um living foot is it a kong <laughs> <laughs> now, now, hold on. I know what you're saying, but I know what you're thinking because you're not saying anything. But your lack of saying <laughs> anything suggested to me what you're thinking. That that's weird, right? Like, well, why would it be a con? Well, it's called Bigfoot, and and Bigfoots tend to be primates or apes. Is this an a primate, and would that make it a Kong being in a rare archipelago? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's. That's quite a stretch, you know. Maybe I don't, I, I'm not allowed to make that call. I don't think so. I don't think they're Kongs. Just for the record. Well, then I'm glad you brought it up. I wanted to put it <laughs> out there, so you know the world is thinking about it. You know, you know what these Bigfoots remind me of. Anytime I see them, because because they're not just a big living foot. They have like a whole body. They have arms. They got a nose. They kind of remind me of the uh, Oogle Boogle tribe in Banjo Tooie with their noses sticking out a little bit. And the yeah, big beards. So like, I'm not trying to make the argument that Bigfoot is an Oogle Boogle. No, of course not. But, uh, <laughs> that would, that would almost be as silly as saying it's a Kong. Yeah. Yeah. I, now I, I, I'm just curious, like how, how does the, uh, evolution of something like this happen? Like, like, but I, I don't know, you know, the, the rare archipelago is a weird and wild place. Things can happen. Uh, let's talk about witch. 
the the okay. the quote unquote good creature named Witch. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird that your some of your creatures in this game are just like people. You have witches and wizards, and they're just like humans. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna ask you this question. Like the soldiers, the the mortars, are they just supposed to be humans? Like I, I don't know if they are. They look a little different to me. They they, they kind of remind me of gruntlings almost. A little gruntlings bit. And tanks. But I'm like, if this does take place in the build up to World War II, <laughs> you know, you know <laughs> maybe, maybe they're just like soldiers that Doctor Doolittle Good is conscripted. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Like <laughs> he's like, hey, look, World War II is great, but come work for me. You can just fire mindlessly at an old person. Yeah. Look. Uh, Neville Chamberlain said there's peace in our time. There's not going to be a war. Come over here. <laughs> anyway, the witch. Uh, uh, it just looks like Gruntilda, sort of. Like a, a cuter version of Gruntilda. They got the green skin and everything. It says, uh, the description for witches hates fighting for airspace, so will quickly take out any airborne competition. It's weird that this, this is a creature that helps you. Um, but... I like this notion that there are witches already in the rare archipelago because because we know like okay I, I I'm coming at this as like maybe this takes place before Granny's Revenge which we know took place in 1977 uh, right. or 1978 excuse me 1978 um, is when Granny's Revenge like we have a hard date for that. And that's when Gruntilda kind of moved in, forced the Jinjos out of Spiral Mountain. That's when she established her little empire, uh, the Winky Bunyan Empire. But we know there may, may have been witches, like, hanging out in the Rare Archipelago. Because the Rare Archipelago is where people go to study magic. We've got shamans, and we've got, like, people teaching mumbo, mumbo, mumbo teaching people... Uh, we've got good magic, we've got bad magic. Here we've got these witches using what is de- defined in Banjo-Kazooie, it's what Gruntilda uses as bad magic, but they're fighting against Dr. Doolittle Good, maybe because he threatens their way of life. And he's like, so they're like, well, okay, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Oh, I... Who, who would have guessed the most, the biggest threat to mankind would be Doctor Doolittle Good? Well, the 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 biggest threat to, because uh, if Doctor Doolittle Good like takes over this area, he's going to exploit it, and you can't do as much witchery. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I like, I don't, I don't, I don't. Know. He's strictly no witches, but the witches are. Uh, are are keen to help Saberman. And you know, you find a lot of these creatures in bags. So I'm I'm assuming like Dr. Doolittle Good has like captured them and he's gonna maybe experiment on them, but he's like leaving them like scattered about. So like Saberman's <laughs> I'll come back for those later. Saberman's freeing them, and I think that's what's supposed to be going on, but that might just be me reading into things. It's never really explained, but you know. You also buy some of them from Cookie. Like I bought my first witch from Cookie. And I'm like, Cookie, why are you selling this witch to me? That's I'm, weird. I'm selling this witch. Yeah, but I guess maybe Cookie found them in bags, and he was like, well, I'm a capitalist. Uh, this is what I'm going <laughs> to do, so. I can make some money off the freedom for this creature. Right, so Saberman buys them. Um, and <laughs> All right, so so th- those are the good creatures I wanted to talk about. Um, any you want to bring up? Um... Well, let me think. Well, 
here's a question for you. Which creatures did you use the most? Which one did you feel like were the most helpful to you in your little journey? Serpent. Uh, Serpent, definitely. Boomer. Right, right. Uh, boom, boomer blows things up. Serpent provides a, a stepping stone in midair. Uh, Phoenix, once I started getting the Phoenixes, I was like, yeah, like, give me that uh, temporarily temporary invincibility invulnerability yeah it's it's funny the phoenix is like never occurred to me for like the first like two or three fourths of the game and once you get to those like village stages yeah they are very much helpful um but yeah I, i was just thinking about it how uh i feel like all the creatures i use the most are like some of the first ones you get like Blubba, Serpent, Boomer, and Golem, I would say, were the ones I used the most. And then you get ones like Bloater that I've barely ever used. Even the Bigfoot and the Club. Bigfoot and Club are like the exact same thing. Yeah. I I, I don't need to use either one that often because I just use Boomer to break these blocks. I, I, I use like Bloater once or twice. Um, It's like, oh, I could use a Bloater there. But yeah, sometimes it's just... Once you get the phoenix and you're like, I can just blow through these, um, you know, I, then then you don't really need some of the other ones. And some of them I, like, never use, like, the the big mouth thing. Like, like what, what do you do? What, what, what's your... And, and maybe, like, they're more well-suited to other people's play style. And, and that's, like, the most brilliant creature to them. It just doesn't suit my needs. Yeah, I I think I used that one for some of the uh, lizard guys on the pogo sticks, just because I'm like, well, I got to save these boomers, so I guess I'll use this mouth to swallow up one of them. But like bloater, I I don't recall any time I ever had to use it. Uh I I just used it because I felt bad. I was like, look, you're part of this team, too. We got to get you involved in this adventure somehow. So I'll use you even if I don't really need you. Given, given in a live stream says, I like how you covered roughly five minutes of the game so far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the most important five minutes of a game. Uh, but but yeah, that that's all I wanted to say is uh, it's some creatures more useful than others. Yes. Um, but I, I think it could all be down to your preference, too, which is what yeah. what, what I love about the game. Like, you, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to use all the creatures. There are multiple avenues presented to you. It, um, so that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some of the bad creatures. I can't wait. So the, the first bad creature you see in the, in the literature and that I think you encounter is Blocker. Blocker. A big green cube that blocks you. With a big angry face. Big angry face. So here's my question. Blocker. Is this the in-universe source name for B-Locker? The answer is yes. So so this kind of stuff happens in rare games. They'll reuse terminology. And you're like... Well, we already talked about that with all the ultimate names. But... uh, so, so for example, Baza, Baza, uh, is is a name that is reused in Donkey Kong, Banjo, and Conquer. Uh, they are the uh, 
barracudas in Donkey Kong Country 3. They are the batteries in Banjo-Tooie. And it's one of the dung beetles in Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. So my thinking has always been, well, the battery is named after the barracuda. Like, harness the power of the Baza. Like, like it, <laughs> it just keeps going and going like the barracuda. Uh, and then they probably like they probably like the commercials for Baza band batteries probably use Hearts Barracuda, you know, as, as like the the back backing track for it. Like, oh, of course, yeah. yeah. What, the mascot for the batteries is like one of the one of the Bazas with sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. And then the dung beetle was named after the battery because he just keeps eating shit. <laughs> he just keeps going and going. And it's like, you're like the Baza uh, Barracuda. And then it's like, we're going to call you that. Yeah. So, so, you know, you, I guess that's better than being called like shit eater. <laughs> just never ending shit eater. That's, that's your name. I mean, if you're a dung beetle, I mean, like, it would be like, yeah, obviously that's what I do. That's like, you know, saying like, oh, wow, this this one over here doesn't stop breathing the oxygen. Fuck, <laughs> this one doesn't stop eating eggs. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my thinking is Blocker is the creature. Uh, and then B-Locker, the Kremlings were like, K-Roll is like, I'm going to name you B-Locker because you're just like that bad creature over on Ultimate Island. <laughs> You're you're just like that creature that's a block. I like other. Uh, there's a creature called Hover Conquer, and I like that we just have bad conquers. Like, uh, just just the, we worked in Conquer, like you know, like the nut, but it's like a living nut, kind of similar to uh, like the acorn people, but but no, it's a conquer nut. That's been brought to life. And I wonder if Dr. Doolittle Good took any of the, like, uh, genetic properties of the acorn people to bring the, the hover conquers to life. These are the big questions that this game brings up. I, I love it. I never would have thought about that, partially because I had no idea that's what they were called. <laughs> Wait, you, you haven't gone to the library and, and looked through the literature? I think I looked through the library once and said, yep. I got it. See, every time you unlock a new world, uh, the librarian, and I forget her name, I'm sorry, because I don't think her name is a stupid pun, so I forgot it. Um, she she adds more pages to the uh, bad creatures book. So, so like, you more info becomes known about the creatures you're uh, going her to encounter. Her name is Connie Ann. Connie Ann. Is that a pun? That sounds like a pun, but I... Maybe I if it's a pun I don't know, but um I love stuff like that. I love little uh, bestiaries and things like this. Yeah, I know. I just said I never went back and checked, but uh, I want to. I love shit like that. Yeah, so Great. I would always have to make my way back to Black Witch Village in a new world to check the library and and read up on everything because it's like oh my god, there's a conquer, there's a living conquer. <laughs> I love this game. Uh, Frosty. They are like the big uh, abominable snowmen baddies that you encounter on Nightlore Mountain. Um, so they throw s- snowballs at you. They're similar to the Bigfoots from Hailfire Peaks. Um, or like uh, for you Donkey Kong Country cartoon fans out there, Eddie the Mean Old Yeti. That's however, me. That's me. You're talking about. I love Eddie the Mean Old Yeti. However, <laughs> uh, I argue 
I will not make the argument that is that uh, this is a Kong or even a Bigfoot because the description says carved from ancient glaciers. So he is an ice man. Uh, yeah, literally a creature made from ice. Yeah, yeah. So so looks like an ape, but with a heart of ice, literally. <laughs> uh, barrel of flames. Just just the fact that we have barrel baddies in this game, I think is just mwah, thank you. Thank you for thinking about the barrels. Yeah, they they remind me of the ones from uh, DKC3. I think they're mostly like the same colors, purple, green. Yeah, um, yeah. And and they have spooky faces on them. They've got spooky faces uh and they shoot fire from them, hence the name Barrel O Flames. Which which is <laughs> which is also a supremely shitty name in the grand rare tradition. Like I've gone yeah, it, I've I've gone on and on about like the the beautiful poetry that is shitty rare names. Mr. Pants, delightful. Captain Bones, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, give me more of that. And just Barrel of Flames, like, what are you even, you're not even trying there. It's, oh, we could call it Barrel of Flames. What if we call it Barrel O Flames? Yeah, <laughs> done. Perfect, now it's marketable. It just, yeah, it, it just, like, bluntly describes what it is, and, and it's the, hilarious. The Sakurai Presents presentation, <laughs> where he talks about how they put the Barrel of Flames in the Saberwolf stage. Oh, Barrel of Flames as an assist trophy? Come on, <laughs> you know you want it. It works! You know exactly what it does as soon as it shows up. And this is this is one I just unlocked, and it made me go like I unlocked the page in the uh, in the library. I've actually not encountered this yet because I think these are the baddies for World Eight that you unlock after you beat World Seven. But I have not played World Eight yet. Uh, but I did go back to Black Witch Library and I read up, and they're okay. The character's name is You See Me. You see me, all one word. You see me. Okay. Um, blending into the background, this virtually invisible foe strikes with its wicked tongue. Now, okay, Dustin, here we go. <laughs> We're going to go on a journey of madness. All right. So, I'm buckled in. Uh, I spelled it wrong in the document or tried to autocorrect. Um, it's Y O O S E E. M E U C me. What and it's a chameleon. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness indeed. Now we we know of a chameleon uh made by people who uh who left Rare and formed another studio named Platonic named Yuka Y O O K A U C me and Yuka chameleon naming conventions consistent cross studio across the dku what the hell what the hell like like i'm not saying <laughs> when platonic was like create like figuring out the character of yuka they were like well you know in saber wolf gba there's a there's a chameleon named you see me what if we did something with that like you uh, and then there's a friend named Laylee, and it's like musical instruments, but like Banjo Kazooie, but not. Ah, we got it. 
I'm not saying oh, that's the light the, bulbs are going on. I'm not saying that's the origin, but what this provides us is weird foreshadowing to ukulele for those of us who accept the platonic sphere of canonicity uh, that 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 envelopes the rare sphere of canonicity which saber wolf gba is contained within so holy shit like like I, and even if this is like a chameleon that was augmented by dr doolittle good the fact that across the archipelago uh you would have like chameleons named oh yeah chameleons it's a you something or other wow right it, it's crazy i never once made that connection i i saw that That's crazy i took a picture of it with my phone and i went to the dk vine inner circle and i just <laughs> i just pasted it in the dk vine inner circle without i think like any context i don't think anybody got what i was going for so i had to go back and i'd be like ah and and <laughs> See, I'm not crazy. I think Cameron got it, but um, anyway. <laughs> and uh, you know, I I already referred to the HMS Bubbler, which is not a reference to the octopus, but maybe you know, in universe, you could say the octopus was named after the ship or something. You know, I I buy that. It was a big famous ship from the famous game Saberwolf GBA. Hey, let's name our <laughs> octopus after it. No, but I mean in universe. The octopus's yeah. parents named a bubbler, right? That, like, like the ship. Um, maybe, maybe the the because it's also because it also lives in water. Maybe the uh, bubbler's parents just like brought down the ship, and then they con- <laughs> they conceived bubbler that very night. Like, like you know, Ron Howard and his wife they named all their children after the places they were conceived. That's why Bryce Dallas Howard she was conceived in Dallas, Texas um that's that's a real thing so um uh, that's a real thing ron howard does i it's, it's they, weird they, but... they 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 named all their kids after things they've destroyed is what you're saying <laughs> or or they made love on the newly, on, on the day they destroyed it on the newly downed remains of the hms bubbler they <laughs> did it right there and then that was where bubbler was conceived um uh, what a sight seeing two gigantic uh octopi uh just going at it on top of your ruined ship i'm not saying that's the my canon interpretation of the events i'm just throwing out the possibility (laughs) it could have happened no one says it hasn't there could be correlation there (laughs) all right uh really quick this this is the the part of the episode where we have to get serious i want to talk to you dustin about cultural insensitivity and All Saber right, Wolf Kyle, GBA. <laughs> oh boy. There are a couple things in the game where I went, ooh, uh, when I was playing. Yikes. That didn't age well. Um <laughs> and and look, this is a game that deals with a lot of tropes from an era that wasn't known for its cultural sensitivity. So, you know, I'm I'm honestly surprised there hasn't been more in the game that I found. But Right. What one of Saber Woman's catchphrases, as we already said, was is for the Empire. What? Um, which you know, Saberman, read the room, yo. Like <laughs> your your colonialist attitudes don't really play well in 2022. Uh, 2004, maybe you know, it was all the craze. People, kids going around shouting for the Empire. Um, <laughs> it was it was the cool thing to say. It was it was that era's. Uh, don't have a cow, man. 
Uh, look, I mean, Saberman is a man of a certain age and a certain era. I, you know, he, he's not going to be completely politically correct. Yeah, he's he's like your uh, your your uncle at Thanksgiving. You're like, oh, you know, I know you're a good guy. You just don't know what you're saying. Um, yeah. Too late to change his change him now, though. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I I love Saberman. It's but. Uh... Is, I guess in cases like this, you gotta take the bad with the good. Yeah, you know he's not—he's not like the complete sensitive uh, man that, like, say, Funky Kong is. You know, where we're Funky Kong, right. Funky Kong, I feel like it would be one of the most compassionate, uh, forward-thinking people. Uh, is his commitment to inclusivity? would be great as Saberman, you're not going to get that but you know Saberman's going to try to do the right thing and maybe he'll learn something along the way because um you know it's interesting and cameron brought this up too when we were chatting about the game it's interesting how the game does try to show Saberman as a bit more enlightened than your average Brit- british imperialist in a classical era uh, because he doesn't exploit the good creatures, but rather he works in a symbiotic relationship with them. And, you know, directly opposed to Dr. Doolittle Good, who's there to exploit. And I, I would say that this position he's in probably evolved from his more cavalier big game hunter days, which are alluded to on the uh, file select screen when we, we see a view of, I'm assuming, his home, his maybe study back um, in England, uh, because we see a severed elephant foot that he's using as an umbrella stand. Eww, that's yeah. not great, Saberman. It's not great. No, uh, stay away from Ellie, you murdering bastard. But, uh, like, <laughs> who does he think he is? Jimmy John of the sandwich chain? Look that up. Whoa! Can't eat a Jimmy John's. Uh, so, you know, I was like, maybe back in the days of, like, when he was younger and the events portrayed in Saber Wolf and, and Night Lore, or an Underworld and Night Lore and Pentagram, um, he he was just a big game hunter, you know, uh, the continuing story of Bungalow Bill and all of that. But, he, you know, he he's mellowed. He's like, I don't really want to shoot elephants anymore. I recognize that they have a soul. And, and, <laughs> and so what I'm going to do is I'm not going to shoot this creature. I'm just going to jump on its stomach or I'm going to let itself, you know, bl- I'm going to let it blow itself up. It's going to it's going to reconstitute itself anyway. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. It, it's fine if these he he doesn't mind these animals dying as long as they come back after. <laughs> right. You know, it's which I guess is fine. Where's the harm? Where is the harm? Um, you know, he's also not going full Indiana Jones and like stealing from native cultures. I guess Indiana Jones he always tried to like do it for a noble reason like well the nazis are going to steal it so i've got to steal it first or i'm going to take these stones and give it back to the people that this uh bloodthirsty cult stole it from you know but but uh saber man he he's not stealing from native culture so much as he's reclaiming treasures saber wolf stole from the settlers of the island which were probably stolen from from uh ancient cultures but whatever you know right Um, i mean he's helping them out even though you sell them to cookie afterwards no because because the mayor said go ahead and and take that as your payment oh Oh right, right, yeah. right! I totally forgot. Yeah, they they just want to be rid of Saber Wolf and Doctor Doolittle Good. Can 
Heil, I hate to interrupt. I know we're talking about some serious subject matter here. Yeah. But can I bring up one thing I thought was funny with a cookie? Sure. I'm always so I'm always up for, how- I'm always up for talking about cookie, my friend. <laughs> the breakout star of Saberwolf GBA. Get that on a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> I'm always down to talk about cookie. Um but so when you when you encounter him on the world maps, he has his little pop-up uh, stand where you can buy things from him. Uh, very convenient and fun and nice and great. But my thing is, when you talk to him in his store, he has a, he has a store in uh, Black Witch Village. Yeah. And if you, you talk to him in there, he still brings up like <laughs> the portable stand inside of his store. He you li- don't need two stores. He likes to feel enclosed like the the portable stand that he like (laughs) throws around himself takes him back to the safety of the womb and he feels like he can be a better salesperson uh when he's enclosed enclosed by mother's uh embryonic goo you know like like metaphorically yeah i mean i think that was in his character bio on rare's website back in the day He's, you know, he, he, he can't haggle. He can't, he can't like, uh, try to, try to sell you unnecessary wares unless, you know, he, he's got mother's love around him. (laughs) You know what? This just made him shoot up to the top of my favorite DKU character list. Cookie for the DKU Hall of Fame. (laughs) Uh, maybe, maybe once the last Hall of Fame wraps up, we'll get around to it. You know, maybe, maybe the reason we haven't, we never revealed it was because it was Cookie, and I was like, well, he's not DKU. (gasps) We have to wait until he is. (laughs) It took years to make this happen. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, I'm not saying anything. So, um, you know... Even if Saberman isn't the most politically correct character, I do like that we have a pith-helmeted old British man roaming the jungles of the DKU. Because it is, like, part and parcel with the tropes that DKU draws from. You know, now that when we watch Jumanji, we have one more thing to say. That's like the DKU. (laughs) Feels good. Uh, That's my favorite thing to do. Anytime I'm watching a movie with my family or something, I say, oh, like the DKU. Like, specifically Jumanji, because I remember, like, oh, monkeys, like the DKU. Oh, giant spiders, (laughs) like the DKU. And now it's like... I know what those are. Pith-helmeted big-game hunter, like the DKU. (laughs) I I, I do want to point out a few other elements of cultural insensitivity. Um, The lore... The, the the baddie named Lalore. Um <laughs> Let me read you the quote. A stranger from a far-off land who insists on playing his intoxicating music. It has a captivating effect on most creatures. So mm. this is a dude. It, I guess he's a human. Um, because he's a yeah. stranger from a far-off land. But um, he is on a flying carpet. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's playing this, like, uh, mes- mesmerizing, like, flute music, um, that, that, like, uh, puts your, puts your characters in a, in a tr- trance, your, your good creatures, and, um, he, he's wearing, like, this, uh, turban-type 
head headdress. Not great. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like, ooh, you know, like, uh, hmm, hmm, maybe not so much the lore. <laughs> I don't find <laughs> you very. That one ain't coming back in the sequel. I don't find you very alluring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's also a, a, a part where one of the items you collect in your constant, like, uh, fetch quest you're 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 bartering you're trading is a shrunken head (laughs) and there was a there there was a a light of uh, like text that just came up that said gain shrunken head and i went oh no oh no what does it look like and i and i looked at it and i went oh no (laughs) oh no it's exactly what you think yeah it it is exactly what you think and it's it's a shrunken head yeah yeah like, um, there really isn't much left to say other than, Ugh. you know, a lot of this, um, like I said, stems from the kind of pulpy tropes one would find in these adventure serials or stories back in the day. And, and were actually still prevalent, uh, well into the 2010s before we all, I think, started to take a look at the casual indifference, you know, we might have had to some of this stuff. And and so you know nobody mm-hmm. making this game I made it with any malice or any any intent to offend or be provocative or shocking it was just part of the the tropes of this type of storytelling and like my favorite Indiana Jones movie is Temple of Doom and 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 there are large portions of that movie that are cringeworthy and outright racist but you know we learn from it we grow from it and and we can put things in the context of the time and say, oh, well, that doesn't age well, but, you know, it was made then, and, and now it's now, and we know better. Right. And and the DKU ha- has had some of this before, even. We've I don't know what you're talking like, about. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about at all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, there, there's, there's like, there's, there's, let's just say there's a character in every main branch of the DKU, um, at least the Donkey Kong Banjo Conquer trilogy. That, that's, you're probably like, uh, not, not so hot anymore. You might have to rethink that character <laughs> if it comes back. And they have rethought them, uh, over the years, but. Right. There is also one line of dialogue, and I'm not going to read it verbatim because it contains what I think is a racial slur. <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> and it, it, it's it's. I think it's one where you, it might be so common that you don't realize the etymology behind it and how language evolves and what this is referring to. But at one point, Silverman is complaining about his knee, and he says uh, he, he complains like he can't do he can't do what the the people are asking him to do because just how much blank my knees are giving me, and and it's 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 a shortened term. That may be derived from uh, a slur towards the uh, Romani people. So mm. I'll let you fill in the blanks there. But um, I, I think that was just like, you're not thinking how the language evolves. And it just like, and, and in the context of 2022, we look back and we're like, wait a second, where did this word come from? It sounds awfully close to, yep, can't use that word anymore. Can't use that phrase anymore. Yeah, that that exact same thing happened to me a while back. Um, uh, I used a word that it didn't even occur to me that uh, it wasn't good, <laughs> and uh, and someone was quick to say like, uh, 
Um, maybe, uh, look, maybe don't use that word for this, this, that, the other thing, reason <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah. it, it's, it's just crazy. It's crazy to me that I just, it, it, I never thought about it before. It just never occurred to me what the context of the word was. You know, when we grow up and, and we're just, we learn these phrases and we don't think we're just like, this is something that people use. And, and we yeah. don't, we don't study like the actual historical roots of where this comes from. It happens. It happens, and I exactly. And you know, I, 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 I don't seriously blame anyone for this. You know, on the team. You know, and it, it also like just serves to make this more of an historical piece. Like, no, Saberman is is a bit like this because he is an old pith helmeted British man, <laughs> but he's trying to be better. He's trying to grow. He's evolving. Um, and he's gonna make sure there's no shrunken heads in future adventures. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you know wherever he is today in the Isle of Hags or, or wherever he settled down. Um, you know, in the in the locker room after a sweaty Idar match, he's just like, <laughs> you know, my knees are hurting, but maybe I shouldn't use that term anymore. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll describe them a different way. So speaking of cultural insensitivity, I want to wrap things up uh, by talking about the Temple of Emotep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy, the the big uh, you were really building up to this. So this is you thought I was going off like going off the rails before with uh, like my my whole timeline rant. This is where I really descend into the madness that is the slush fund. The seventh world of the game is called the Temple of Emotep, and it's nonsensically described in-game as, and I quote, part man, part Egyptian, nobody knows why. (laughs) So, so. Yeah, screw it. Who cares? Yeah, no, we're two completely different cultures on completely different continents. What the hell? (laughs) Why not? You know, let's. Let's let's You got your chocolate and my peanut butter. <laughs> so this is the shoehorn a reference to another ultimate game in. In this case, I think it's actually poorest reviewed game they released as ultimate play of the game. Uh it's called Emotep. And I'm just gonna read you the Wikipedia description because I know nothing about this. Me neither. The game is set in ancient Egypt and revolves around Imhotep the Wise and his mission to stop the famine plaguing the kingdom by obtaining sacred books, as one does. We've all been there. Yeah, it sounds very compelling. You're uh, telling me this reviewed poorly? I, I'm, I'm saying it, there were contemporary reviews at the time saying, I hope this doesn't destroy the reputation of Ultimate because because <laughs> wow. they've done good work before this and this is this is a real turd. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had compassion for them. Um so it's like this is weird cuz cuz they wanted to shoehorn the reference to Emotep, but I guess they didn't want to make an Egyptian area. They wanted to go more Mesoamerican. And mm. and so this was their weird compromise and I was like, why does this feel familiar? And then I realized We've kind of seen this before in the DKU, and we've had this weird incongruence of having 
ancient cultures in the rare archipelago that really shouldn't be there because they are in reference to a real people, a real civilization. Um, so we have the Aztec temple in Conqueror's Pocket Tales, where, where Siegfried the Golem was. Um, and, and we always made light of that. It was like, we have this Jewish monster in an Aztec temple named Siegfried. <laughs> like, like what, what is that even? All right. We also have Angry Aztec on Donkey Kong Island in Donkey Kong 64. But Angry Aztec, despite being a, a Mesoamerican civilization, always felt weirdly like it wanted to be an ancient Egypt level. But it's like, mm-hmm. like, and this is something I bring up all the time because I'm like, what is going on there thematically? Like, it, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Speaking of Egypt. It's clear there's Egyptian influence in the Rare Archipelago as well. And Gobi's Valley, for example. And also, mm-hmm. you know, on uh, Donkey Kong Island near Angry Aztec, as later established in games like Donkey Kong Barrel Blast slash Jet Race. We have kind of like Egyptian-style uh, monuments to Kongs from way back when. Right. Yeah. So, okay. There, there's kind of Egyptian influence there, on, on the Aztec civilization on Donkey Kong Island. Um, that's weird. Uh, but this is this is Mayan, right? Um, right. So, we'll, we'll circle back to that. So, you know, I don't need to tell anyone how distinct Egypt is from, uh, you know, Mesoamerican cultures like the Maya or the Aztec. And the the slight Egyptian bent that already exists to angry Aztec is pretty ludicrous. However, recent findings uh, by uh, historians found that traces of tobacco and cocaine have been found on Egyptian mummies. Awesome. So, I know, right? Man, those those mummies were living it up. <laughs> they knew how to party. Yeah. But but of course, tobacco and cocaine aren't found natively in uh in the Nile River Valley. They are from the Americas, suggesting mm. possibly that ancient Egyptians traveled to the Americas like 5,000 years ago. Now, I'm not saying they did. There could be, you know, maybe some archaeologist just did a whole lot of blow on some mummies. <laughs> we don't know. But, but there might be some uh, correlation there. Like, we, you know, we, we know there was a lot of travel to the Americas before Columbus, you know, discovered him. You know, the Vikings were here. The, the Egyptians, we know, they, you know, they knew. They knew what was up. They could have come to the Americas as well, um, and that's not even bringing into the you know the indigenous Americans who crossed the Bering Strait and maybe even got here through other you know we're finding new stuff all the time with history. It's ex- an exciting field, but right. so so okay, so there is that small correlation between uh, ancient Egypt and what was referred to as the New World, but Imhotep is an actual historical figure who lived in the 27th century BCE, before Common Era, or BC. Uh, So roughly 2,700 years before Christ's purported birth. Okay? 
So, uh-huh. Emotep was a real historical figure who's been sort of mythologized and turned into a legend. A lot of stories have sprung up about Emotep. In fact, he is the basis for the Mummy movie franchise as the major antagonist. Uh, he is the mummy, the titular mummy in The Mummy, Emotep. <laughs> the mummy himself. Yes. However, in real life, we know he was an architect... He was chancellor of the pharaoh, and he was high priest of the sun god Ra. So he was responsible for Egypt's first stone building, in fact. A step pyramid, not too dissimilar to Mesoamerican pyramids. Ooh. Yeah. Um, now, there is there is archaeological difference between the two. Um, the Mesoamerican step pyramids have an additional structure on top, while the Egyptian step pyramids did not. But hey, stay with me here. Now, we know now, thanks to Sea of Thieves, that the Kremlin Empire, yeah, I'm bringing the Kremlins into this, uh, in its wildly expansive Kremlantis years of antiquity, which saw... Uh, the Kremlin Empire control Crocodile Isle, the Northern Kremisphere, hence its name, and the future Donkey Kong Island, all part of the Kremlantis Empire, Kremlantis as established in Donkey Kong land. They sailed into Egypt down the Nile River. The Kremlins made it that far. This also explains K. Uh-huh. Rool's uh, Slugger's <laughs> outfit, which is Egyptian style, style like, uh, you know, right. Egyptian pharaoh. And we know from the Golden Nile cosmetics, the crocodile costumes, which I bought you, Dustin, by the way. I, I gave you the funds Thank you, to buy that crocodile I'm costume. sorry we didn't get to use it. Yeah, because the servers were down, but hey. Um, so so the lore established therein suggests that the Kremlins have made it to the Nile and that there was an Egyptian bent to them during the Kremlantis years. Mm-hmm. Do you see where mm-hmm. I'm going with all this? Oh, I see where you're going. Do you really? Because <laughs> if I didn't know, I would be completely lost. <laughs> I'm no one tell Heil. I'm pretending to know. What okay. I'm talking about. All right. Um, Gib- Gibbon is also chiming in. Uh, remember, saltwater crocs exist. That's true. That that is true. Yeah. Now, thank you, Gibbon. Speaking of saltwater, how did the Kremlantis <laughs> Empire shrink? How did Kremlantis collapse and become the partially sunken landmass it is in Donkey Kong Land? How did Donkey Kong Island become Donkey Kong Island? How did the Kongs take it? How did the Bears take the Northern Kremisphere? How were the Kremlins reduced to just Crocodile Isle? Well, we assume the Kongs and the Bears fought back at some point, perhaps in an alliance with the contemporary Atlantis, the human empire off the future Isle of Hags, Right, which we see in Banjo-Tooie. It has also sunk by modern times. But we know that the Atlantis Empire were allied with the merfolk from Donkey Kong 64, as established by the statues seen in Atlantis that match Pearl, the merfolk mermaid, in Donkey Kong 64. Now, we know in Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze that Seabreeze Cove is this underwater civilization built to be an underwater civilization with underwater tunnels that that can be accessed through some sort of uh, aquatic being, perhaps merfolk. Now, Seabreeze Cove may be the actual civilization of the merfolk seen in Donkey Kong 64 that were allied with the Atlanteans that perhaps formed an alliance with the Kongs and the Bears 
to bring down the Kremlantis Empire because the Kremlins wanted it all. They weren't they weren't content to sharing. Um, and I'm not trying to bring any analogy to contemporary current events either. This is just this is just me talking about history, made up history in the DKU. So, how did the Kongs repel? the Kremlins from Donkey Kong Island or the future Donkey Kong Island. Well, we have to turn to Donkey Kong Country Returns for what that suggests, because it suggests that the Tiki Tak tribe were actually ancient Kongs, the Kongs of antiquity, the first Kongs, maybe. Because, you know, there is, you study those temples in Donkey Kong Country Returns, and, and clearly there is some sort of connection between ancient Kongs and the Tiki Tak tribe. Tiki Tong himself, the extra-dimensional entity uh suggests that that's where the Kong surname is derived from, that they that the uh primates of Donkey Kong Island took the name Kong to like pledge their devotion to Tiki Tong, who is again an extra-dimensional entity, kind of this specific islander pastiche of a god who crossed over from his realm, which we visit at the end of Donkey Kong Country Returns, the realm of floating fruit and whatnot. Um, he, he came to Donkey Kong Island. Is that Island. the official name of it? No. Um, the, the realm of floating fruit and whatnot. Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D referred to it as Cloud. Oh, that's probably, I, I like the other one better. I, I just call it Tiki Tongue's Dimension, but anyway. So, whew, I got the sweats. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, this is the Sweaty Hile episode. <laughs> yeah, oh man, oh my god, I'm sweatier than Saberman after a match of IDARB against Richard Nixon, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all relate. All right. So if you're still with me, thank you. Bless you. I'll kiss you on the forehead if there wasn't a pandemic going on. Thank you. All right. So anyway, Tiki Tong uh, gave the Kongs power, formed Kong civilization, and presumably gave them the strength to drive the Kremlins off Donkey Kong Island. Now, of course, the Kongs eventually banished Tiki Tong to the volcanic core of Donkey Kong Island. They're like, actually, you're a madman. We don't want any part of this. We're going to banish you. You're not our god. And then, you know, that, that caused problems in like the year 2010 for them. But anyway, Tiki Tong got the ball rolling there. But, you know, Tiki Tong is a god or, or, or is revered as a god. Probably just this very powerful dimensional entity that, 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 can have lesser beings worship him as a god. But uh, there's another so-called god living in one of these temples. The made-up Mayan god, Target Zan. Because oh, I love Target Zan. Target love Zan. that guy. So yeah, we have Mayahem Temple on the Isle of Hags in Banjo-Tooie. Another Mesoamerican temple um, that and civilization. And Target Zan is, is still living there. Living it up in the year 2000. Um, so is there any correlation with all of this madness? Because we, we, we've, like, we've, we've established so much of what we know about the rare archipelago of antiquity, the era of Atlantis and Kremlantis and the Tiki Tak tribe, and all of these weird pseudo-Mesoamerican civilizations uh, across Willow Woods, the Isle of Hags, and Donkey Kong Island, and Ultimate Island, as, as we come to find out. And what is Imhotep's connection with all of this? Well, I'm working on a theory, and, and, and it's, not, it's a half-baked theory right now, because I, I fully admit that this is, this is getting into the weeds, and I, 
I, I, I have to let this gestate a bit before I can really, like, have it be something I could, like, maybe do a, a long feature about or, or a YouTube video where I, I can confidently say, hey, this is where I'm landing on. But what if Imhotep was responsible for these, like, hybrid religious cults? Because the Temple of Imhotep has a thriving cult on it. Like, some of the settlers that have been brought over... Um, from like the Nightshade Mining Company, they they formed a religious cult of monks for the Temple of Emotep, and they're they're kind of funny because they don't like Doctor Doolittle good because his science represents devilry to them. Um, <laughs> but okay, so Emotep, like we 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 know what we know about Emotep. In as far as the context of Rare goes, from that Wikipedia description of his terribly reviewed game. So he, he was trying to stop a plague upon his land. Well, okay, he did that, but what if uh, an invading force came to his land, say, the Kremlings? Okay? Ooh. Okay, so, upon the Kremlings making contact on, in the Nile River, he, he was like, uh-uh, crocodile people. And, and maybe this is where, like, the, the the god Sobek came from and like all these legends. Anyway, anyway, that that's that's getting into advanced <laughs> studies. I need to keep this to uh Emotep 101. <laughs> keep keep stick to the basics. Yeah, yeah. So um up, uh, upon the Kremlin's making contact in Egypt, he sailed. He he followed them back into the Kremlantis Empire looking for ways to drive a stake through the heart of it and preventing the spread to Egypt, to the, to the mainland, to the continent, to his kingdom. And this is where the reality of the historical figure turns into the fantasy of the ultimate play of the game character. Imhotep tried to use the magic of the rare archipelago, perhaps the magic imbued in the continent of Atlantis, or not the continent, because we know it's not a continent, but the city of Atlantis off the future Isle of Hags. He used the magic to, and, and he, he used these, he built these temples all around um, Atlantis, right? right? So we've got like Willow Woods uh, to its north, the Isle of Hags, and Ultimate Island adjacent to it. Donkey Kong Island to itself. He he built all of these temples as kind of um, diviners, summoners, to summon the gods, right? And he brought forth Tiki Tom. He brought forth Target Zan. He brought forth uh, unseen entities in the other temples that may have already, like, bugged off by the time we catch up with the DKU in 1994. And, um bringing this fight to the Kremlings, this this grand alliance of Atlantis, Kongs, bears, um, merfolk, <laughs> to to <laughs> punish the Kremlantis Empire and to stop their imperialistic designs across the Atlantic and the world. Anyway, yeah. Imhotep was responsible for all of that. What, what, what do you think about that? Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> Sounds great. And all because they wanted to reference the poorly reviewed game, Imhotep. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, they, they said, we'll show them. So, so there's, there's more to this game than you think. 
You know, if there's ever a huge DKU Avengers-type crossover that sees the Kongs, the Banjo-Kazooie cast, and Conker joining forces in the here and now. Like, not Diddy Kong Racing. I'm talking, like, a, a proper huge crossover. Like, the game would just be called Donkey Kong Universe, right? If we ever got that sort of madness, I think Imhotep would be the perfect villain. The primary antagonist of the Imhotep is back. And he, and, and, and he's... Why not? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what all the, all the, all these uh, companies who own these characters say. When you come up to them asking, they just say, yeah, why not? You know, somewhere, Miyamoto is thinking, hmm, Temple of Imhotep in Saber Wolf GBA. And then he looks over <laughs> at his, like, plush Donkey Kong on his desk. And he's like, it just could work. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he rings up nintendo uh epd tokyo and he's like cancel the game i know i know this is our second time we're canceling the donkey Kong game we have to start from scratch and, we and got the, a brilliant winner of an idea they're like miyamoto-san why and he just says one word emotep <laughs> <laughs> say no more <laughs> delete files <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I got to be honest. I would not be that upset if it resulted in a, a big crossover between these three series. They're, they're going to have a Nintendo Direct, the next Nintendo Direct, and they're going to say, please understand, we've canceled the new <laughs> Donkey Kong game. It'll be another eight years, but it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it this time. I guess so. I, I guess like if I knew that's what was coming, I'd be like, oh, you know what? <laughs> I guess uh, I guess I'll wait for it. I'm excited. I to guess it'll be worth it. I'm excited to continue developing this this theory because there is definitely some sort of connection between ancient Egypt and Kremlantis and, and Emotep and and there's something there. I might not have the exacts down, but that's the excitement. That's the beauty of the slush fund, Dustin. Is is the sense of discovery, not just in the game, but of my own fevered imaginings after the fact. Yeah, I mean, that's why I, I love uh, DK Vine is for stuff like this is why I've been coming here since 2003. Actually, I think the big reason was because of the gallery of renders, but I I would put this in second place. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, to wrap things up for now, um, I love, 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 love this era of Rare. You know, for all the talk about the buyout era being such a bad time for our fandom, uh, Rare was on fire uh, during this time. And I especially love Rare's handheld games. Not to say I don't love the console games, because I love those too, but um, to me, the, the handheld games, they're just as important to the identity of the studio. Um, mm -hmm. Just as important as the big-budget console titles were that, you know, eventually made their way into Rare Replay. These games did not, but... Uh, you know, they just define so much of Rare and the DKU to me. So to fully play Saber Wolf GBA for the first time is, is for me, like, my other big obsession, the Beatles. Like, imagine finding a lost, like, EP, extended play of Beatles from, like, the Sgt. Pepper era. And you're like, oh my god, there are six new Beatles songs from my favorite era of the Beatles that I get to listen to. Um, this is this is so exciting. This is going to be my next three months. I'm just going to like dissect every second of these. 
And that's what Saberwolf GBA has been for me. Like, us deciding that it's DKU has just been this amazing journey of discovery for me. And it's been remarkably fun and a warm experience. Like, it's, it's something that I don't really get often in gaming, especially these days, is something that feels like a warm embrace of childhood, yet is still new to me. And, you know, I look... I look forward to chipping away at this because I'm not done with the game yet. And and that's even more exciting to me that I'm not even finished with this process. Yeah, you, you know, there is something uh, to this game. It feels like I know it was made by a big team of people, but at the same time, it feels very uh, personal, for lack of a better word. Like, it just feels like this was a game made. It, it what am, How am I trying to describe no, it? I, it just I, I feels like... It feels like a rare game that could only exist in this period of time for for a very small niche audience. It it ju- it just feels like it, it totally its own thing, and I love that. Yeah it 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 feel it always felt like rare, and and the handheld team in particular, like people behind it's Mr. Pants and, and other classics. Um, it always felt like they knew these games weren't going to be seen by a large audience, and they knew the people who were going to play it were the rare faithful. And, and even then, mm. I, I don't think they really had a firm understanding of who the rare faithful were. Like, um, they might have like been aware of some of the some of the sites of the era, like Mundo Rare and maybe DK Vine, but. You know, it, it wasn't like it is today where the creators interact with us on social media and we're getting them on our podcast and we're talking to them. And there is definitely like, oh, yeah, you know, Paul Makachek is, you know, making jokes about stop and swap with us on Twitter, just tagging us out of nowhere. <laughs> and it's like, oh, cool. You know, I never would have thought that would ever be a possibility. So but it, but it did feel like like they knew there there had to be hardcore rare faithful they will appreciate this if nobody else does. And yeah, so it, it kind of felt like um a a garage band almost like, you know, playing for like the 12 people who show up for their gigs, you know. Right. It's, yeah, I totally get that. Uh Yeah, like you said, even the other Game Boy Advance or uh other portable rare games even games like Grunty's Revenge, that's still part of, like, a big rare series. That's still part of the Banjo series, and, like, Mr. Pants had kind of a small following. I I doubt they were making Saberwolf thinking, this is going to be a big hit with a big audience. It really just, it really does feel like something they wanted to make. Yeah, it, it really does. And, you know, it's a shame that the Saberman revival that was, you know, this was supposed to, you know... They they announced this at E three two thousand one the the beloved E three two thousand one like the the DKU treasure trove cove that was E three two thousand one and uh, so th- this was the first game of the attempted Saberman revival. We don't know what they would have had planned for the GameCube had they stayed with Nintendo, but eventually Donkey Kong Racing got turned into Saberman Stampede, and it's just a shame we didn't have any like actual follow up. And, you know, uh, it would have been interesting to see if they would have incorporated any bits of this game into Saberman Stampede. Uh, from what we've seen, it doesn't really look like it, but you never know when references are going to show up in a rare game. I mean, I just, yeah. I just went on this huge rant about Kremlins in Ancient Egypt, and that's thanks to Sea of Thieves, of all things. So, like, <laughs> you know, 
it is, you know, it is the rare ethos, even if, you know, not everybody's always on board with it. It's, they just can't help themselves. So, yeah, that, that's what, that's what I love about this, because it does feel like it's just, um, they're, they're not looking to reach a broad audience. They're, they're talking directly to the audience they know they're going to play. They had no delusion of grandeur that this was going to be Pokemon. Right, but yeah, they they weren't hoping to see cardboard standees of Doctor Do Little Good in GameStops across the country. Yeah, oh, could you imagine though? <laughs> you, you you could have had him in the bl- his his like blimp with Saberwolf peering down and and or, or oh, you could have walked into a GameStop and one of those pig beasts could have dropped on you. Like they could have just been <laughs> dropping pig beasts on people, and like ah. yeah, you gotta you gotta put one of the stickies on the ground to make it fall before you enter. Yeah, yeah, that's the only time you use a sticky. That's the only time I ever use stickies. <laughs> Get that on a t-shirt. Uh, so no, yeah, I I will say, Heil, Sab- Saberman Stampede is probably the canceled rare game that I lament for the most. Like watching all those uh, leaked videos of mm-hmm. uh, Saberman Stampede, it just looks so cool to me. Having this big environment, you can run around with this uh, this silly little character in. Yeah, it, you know, I I understand the concerns, especially like how do we successfully convey like capturing real animals mm-hmm. in a humane way? You know, um, yeah, which you know, Saberwolf GBA completely skirted that by having him just be fantastical beast and 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 weirdos and cryptos not not the uh the funny little monkey images that people talk about the blockchains <laughs> and whatnot but cryptozoology you know uh, yeah cryptids, yeah who I guess, cares yeah. who cares if you enslave a purple uh bouncy bear they're not real bears oh wow yeah Just, you heard it here from dustin straight <laughs> from the horse's mouth <laughs> So anyway, uh, if you want to hear more of this, if you want to continue this journey with me, be sure to check out the DK Vine Forum because the Slushed Fund Saber Wolf will be continuing on the DK Vine Forum beyond the confines of the conversation. And I will be giving more of my theories and more of my so-called insight in there uh until i'm complete with the game and then i'm going to move on to saber wolf mobile so it's a lot a lot of saber man in my life in 2022 didn't expect it but here we are so uh yeah dkvine.com which which one which one is the real one and which one is the one that takes you to the foot i i forget um oh good uh let me let me try it let me try it for um Oh, that was the right one. Okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, good. Forum. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, we we love a Bigfoot, too. This has been a File 2 production. Terrico.